Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Full Metal Alchemists by Hiromo Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're going to be discussing chapters 56 and 57. Woo! Yes! Yeah! <laughs> nothing yeah, bad did nothing happen. bad happen? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> nothing not bad happened. <laughs> Everything bad happened? Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, it was only the, the end result of all the bad decisions that happened this time. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, it was more like consequences than yeah. things where you're actively like, no. Nothing <laughs> new bad happened this yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but first, uh, reminder time. <laughs> yeah, first oh, yes. time to remind. Hold on, wait. I have <laughs> the wrong time. <laughs> it's time to remind. Yes, so reminder please send questions. Our mid uh, serious kind of recap episode is going to be. We're recording it in a week ish. So please send your questions to. Uh, which is the date please send your questions by april 3rd you can send them to uh like you can send a you can send a direct message through tumblr or send an ask through tumblr oh yeah the asks what weren't turned on on tumblr now they're turned on <laughs> listener decimal caps let me know that it's not turned on and i have since <laughs> turned it on so thank you so that's so you can send us an ask through tumblr you can send us a message or tweet at us on twitter which is equivxpod uh, you can use our form on staytogethernetwork.com or you can send an email directly to equivxpod at gmail.com and then we'll answer them in a very short period of time yes. and it'll be a good time <laughs> you know what I'm disappointed didn't happen this time <laughs> what? Well, we didn't get any more information about Hohenheim oh yeah he was out in the woods and we still don't know anything we haven't followed up on that yet anyway it's okay <laughs> I'm sure we He's... will someday but he's out there. He's he's doing stuff. He's mm-hmm. he's still in the woods where we left him last time. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's doing stuff and being not the same person as father. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what? I'm really disappointed it didn't happen this time. The story didn't end. They didn't get their bodies back. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're only halfway through though, so that shouldn't be. We shouldn't be expecting that yet. <laughs> I thought everything was gonna be happily ever after. They get their bodies back, and then it just turns into like a completely different genre. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually like a um well there's the all the romance that needs to happen right right maybe it turns into yeah. a shoujo yeah it just becomes a shoujo mm-hmm. i was gonna say like a slice of life yeah slice of life shoujo yeah she's like 50 52 chapters of <laughs> <laughs> i mean worse things have been written <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean i'm not saying i wouldn't read it <laughs> <laughs> well anyway you want to talk about what did happen this time <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> father was still here he was weird as usual of course or otherwise known as that beard guy <laughs> Ed like it's like i'm not calling him father i don't even call my own father <laughs> father, father. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like he does look like he does i think he said in one of the lines that does look like hohenheim or he is or he knew hohenheim yeah, or something like that hohenheim look alike or something yeah yeah <laughs> i was like that's funny Every, ed saying it too mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> So chapter 56 opens with Father still kneeling beside the dying gluttony. You've used up the regenerative powers of the stone, Father says. Have no fear, my son. He plunges his hand into gluttony's abdomen until he reaches the philosopher's stone at his core. He touches it, and the stone absorbs into his body. And without it, gluttony quickly begins to fade away. I shall recreate you, with all of your memories intact. 
Like he's like, never fear, my son. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Shoves his hand directly into his guts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was chuckling to myself about that as he said it. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh yay, we opened with more horrible dismemberment. Yeah, poor Gluttony. He's had a lot of it lately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his his gut is a gateway to like another dimension, so Yeah. <laughs> I guess it kind of comes with the territory, but yeah. Seeing Gluttony, I feel like Lust dying was like, you're like, okay, like, she's done her duty, you know? Like, she seems sort of, like, satisfied. But Gluttony was like, I don't want to die, which is kind of mm -hmm. off-putting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Gluttony's, like, like childish aspect makes it kind of, like, sometimes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> horrible when, things happen to ex Exactly. You're kind of like, I kind of feel bad for Gluttony, even though he's mm -hmm. a bad guy, you know? Mm -hmm. anyway, but not to completely derail within the first uh, three sentences of your summary, but... It's not derailing if you're talking about the actual yeah. topic. It's like, so how about Panthers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could Chow Mei be a subspecies of Panther? <laughs> Chow Mei is a subspecies of Cat. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ed is thankfully being given the opportunity to wash out all the gluttony void blood river gunk <laughs> in some military showers while what I assume to be Envy in disguise as a soldier stands guard outside. I was really just going to say, like, well, Envy stands at guard outside. And I was like, it doesn't actually confirm it's Envy, but I'm, like, 100% sure it is. Yeah, not, oh, yeah. not until... Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I think that's one of Envy's many uh, faces. Yeah, I think we've seen them uh, take on that guys before. I think so, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not, also, uh, that soldier sasses him and calls him little slightly yeah. <laughs> later. So I think I, you can confirm that it's Envy. Al waits outside the stall while Ed showers, and they discuss what Ed saw while passing through the portal. Did you really see my body? Ed confirms and adds, I reached out for it, but he said, I can't go with you. Al is excited by this news. He still has a body and is not decomposing. <laughs> he then asks about the toll needed to pass through the portal, and Ed explains about using the Philosopher's Stone inside Envy, which Al is less excited about. The Philosopher's Stone that's made out of people's lives? Ed then seems to take Envy's side of their previous discussion, explaining that the souls are just energy now, with no bodies to return to. Al seems uncomfortable with this and unconvinced. That might be what it looks like from the point of view of cold logic, but... But Ed remains oddly insistent. I prove that it's possible to transmute yourself. We can get through the portal if we have the stone. After that, all we need to do is pull your body back out. This is no time to waffle. We need to get you out of there as soon as possible. Al tries to argue again, but Ed finally snaps. You didn't see your body. If you'd seen your skinny butt, you'd feel the same way. He slams open the shower stall door and then immediately pauses, noticing that Xiaomei is chilling on Al's shoulder again. <laughs> What's that black and white kitty cat doing here? <laughs> Al holds out a pair of underwear and suggests Ed hurry and put them on. Because inside my armor, there's a little girl. <laughs> Should know there's a little note on the side of the panel with Ed, yes. like naked and censored, that says like full, full frontal, frontal alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> Ed loudly freaks out at this, and Envy quickly opens the door and asks what's going on. Ed, now holding a towel in front of his sensitive bits, nervously insists that he just slipped his all. <laughs> Stop acting like you're in a manga, Envy says irritably. <laughs> Hurry up and get ready, little boy. Ed shouts, don't call me little, and throws a bar of soap at the door as Envy leaves. <laughs> Later, after Ed is dressed, he and Al whisper about what they're going to do with May as they're led down the hall. Al plans to take her to Dr. Knox since she's hurt, which Ed agrees to, though he's worried about getting the doctor into more trouble. They then reach a set of doors and Envy directs them inside, saying, Wrath will take it from here. Oh yeah, also... Also, the soldier knows the name of Rath, yeah. so it must be Envy. Anyway, yeah, I was like, I, I was like, some higher rank soldiers might know that, but this is not a higher rank soldier, no, so it's like gotta be little... Envy. Yeah. 
dude with a like one little thing on his collar. He's got mm-hmm. nothing. No rank. <laughs> He's nobody. It's <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> the actual soldier's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Inside, they find the Fuhrer sitting calmly at a small table. And opposite him, looking unhappy yet resigned, is Roy. An officer pours tea for everyone, then leaves, shutting the door and leaving them alone. Ed asks what's going on, and Roy says that a lot's happened, more than you'd believe. He explains the reassignment of his team, which Ed immediately realizes is the fear of making them all, especially Hawkeye, into hostages. Then he finishes up with, The conspiracy turned out to involve more than just a portion of military high command. Everyone is guilty. Ed and Al are startled by this, and they look warily at the Fuhrer. They take in the situation, with him calmly drinking his tea alone in the room with them, with only a single sword, and realize the implication. He's confident he could defeat all three of them easily. May suddenly coughs from within Al's armor, and the boys quickly try to cover it up, with Al doing some fake coughs and Ed jumping into the conversation. Fuhrer! Back when I was in the hospital, you came to see me. At the time, I had no idea you were working for the other side. You had me completely fooled. Bradley repeats his words from that time. I will not allow you to speak of this to anyone or stick your neck in this matter any further. Assume that the entire military is the enemy. When the time comes, I will call on you. He then says, The three of you are valuable resources. There's no need for you to know more than that. Just stay quiet until the time comes, and I promise no harm shall come to you. Ed asks what will happen to everyone else not lucky enough to be a human sacrifice when that time comes. Bradley merely answers, That doesn't concern you, Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist, huh? Ed says with a sneer. He digs out his pocket watch, which is still stained with blood from the void. The alias felt like a badge when you gave it to me, but I never thought that badge would represent something so evil. I'm casting aside this alias. I signed up to be the military's dog because it was the only way a kid like me could get access to the best resources in alchemy studies. I suffered the shame of using alchemy for military ends when it's supposed to be used to benefit society because I thought it would help us get our real bodies back. So, if the state alchemist program is just your system for selecting human sacrifices, and now you're going to force me to participate in whatever sick scheme you're all planning? He tosses the watch down onto the table. Then you can take this back. I don't want to be a state alchemist anymore. Bradley regards it coolly. The symbol of a dog, stained with blood, he says. Keep carrying it with you, Full Metal Alchemist. Ed again insists he doesn't want it. He's going to tell everyone else what's going on and foil the homunculi's plans. No, you will continue to serve the military, the Fuhrer says firmly, of your own volition. Ed scoffs, closing his eyes and leaning his chin on his hand. Of my own volition? Why the hell would I do that? What was that girl's name again? Bradley says, making a show of putting his hand to his forehead and thought. Oh yes, I think it was Winry Rockbell. Ed's eyes fly open, and his horror slowly grows as Bradley continues. Your childhood friend, the automail engineer, born in Resinbull. She's practically a member of the family, isn't she? At the moment, she works in Rush Valley, and is blessed with friends and regular customers. Such a sweet, gentle girl. Ed slams his hands down on the table and jumps to his feet. Don't you dare touch her, he snarls. Or the people she cares about. Beside him, Roy frowns, and Al's arms shake as he clenches his fists. The Fuhrer simply smiles. You have a soft heart. He taps the pocket watch and asks Ed what he'll do. If you don't want it, I will cut you down. Ed scowls, but he takes the watch and shoves it back into his pocket with a muttered, Damn it. Very good, the Fuhrer says with a pleasant smile. You were all brought here so that you would understand your position. That is all. 
Al speaks up then, hesitantly asking that he and Ed be allowed to continue their search for a way to get their bodies back in exchange for keeping their heads down and going along with all this. Bradley gives them the okay, as long as they don't interfere anymore, then asks Roy if he also wants to quit the military now. I still have my ambitions, Roy says, brandishing his own pocket watch. At the moment, I can't afford to take off this uniform or rid myself of this. Bradley smiles, satisfied, and dismisses everyone. As they all get up to leave, Roy asks the Fuhrer if he can ask one question. What is it, Colonel? Were you the one who killed Hughes? No, Bradley says simply. I didn't do it. Then who did? I said I would answer one question. Roy frowns and turns back toward the door. We'll be on our way. Before they all leave, though, Bradley politely asks Alphonse to step closer for a moment. Then, without warning, he stabs his sword right through the middle of Al's armor. Ed now react with horror, but the blade comes out clean when Bradley pulls it back. He stares at it, saying nothing, and Al nervously asks if there's anything else. No, you can go, Bradley says, sheathing the sword. The three of them leave the meeting room and walk calmly down the hall. When they're a safe distance away, Ed and Al allow themselves a minor freakout, much to Roy's <laughs> confusion. Tucked down in one of the legs of Al's armor, May also silently freaks out. The sword just missed my head! The boys then turn to Roy. Al quietly asks for Dr. Knox's address, which he freely gives, and then Ed demands money. <laughs> Give me everything you got on you! Money? Just hurry up and hand it over. Wait a sec. That's pathetic. This is all you've got? What are you, a mugger? <laughs> the boys then take off, with Al apologizing over his shoulder and promising a full report later. <laughs> What's with them? Roy wonders. Then immediately proceeds to have his own freak out. Oh no, the lieutenant! <laughs> he dashes outside to where he left Riza's standing vigil. He leans against the wall, panting, then looks up to find Major Armstrong, much to his dismay. <laughs> Shining in the morning sun. <laughs> <laughs> Much to his dismay. <laughs> you don't look well, Colonel, Armstrong remarks. Do you think any man would be pleased to find a mustachioed muscle man in place of the young woman he's expecting? <laughs> Roy looks down the road in either direction, then begins scolding himself silently. Of course he wouldn't be dumb enough to wait around an entire night, he thinks. Or maybe the Fuhrer called for her. Damn it, I just hope she's all right. Colonel, Risa says, startling Roy as she comes up behind him. Are you okay? You were gone so long, I was afraid you wouldn't come back. Roy is visibly confused, so Risa, with a quick salute, explains, Oh, excuse me. Lieutenant Hawkeye reporting back from the latrine, sir. Major Armstrong passed by and was kind enough to watch my post for a few moments. Thank you very much, Major. Roy, still looking a little confused, says, So you didn't flee? She gives him a look. Who do you think it was who told me, don't give up, no matter what? Roy lets out a sigh and smiles. Just don't tell me later that you wish you had run away, Lieutenant, he says, heading toward the car. Riza falls into step behind him. I think it's a bit late for that, Colonel. <laughs> Everyone is cute. Oh, I know, I was going to say, in this, in this part. <laughs> I was going to yeah. start going, going to start talking again, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. This whole part is cute. Mm -hmm. It's like, even the fear was cute. Ha <laughs> ha, no. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, but these ones are. Yeah, no. Everything after that. <laughs> yeah. Elsewhere, the boys have found the nearest payphone to place an urgent call to check up on Winry. Ed on the phone with the chain strong-armed out of Roy, and Al trying to squeeze as much of his body into the booth as possible as he listens in. <laughs> Winry answers, hello, Studio Garfield, and Ed says, is that you, Winry? Ed, what happened? Did you break your automail? That's not why I called, Ed quickly insists. Then awkwardly continues, uh, um, I, you know, I'm just making sure you made it back safely. You weren't followed by any suspicious-looking people, were you? Are you all right, Winry? Ed, you're creeping me out, she says bluntly, <laughs> to Ed's annoyed shock. 
She teases, it's strange enough that you're calling me at all, Ed, but in sensitive Claude like you worrying about me, it's just too much. It's like snow in summer. It's creepy. <laughs> Ed fumes while I'll admit she has a point. Don't you know how worried I am? Ed shouts into the receiver, and the teasing done, Winry quietly cuts in with a simple, thank you. She smiles on her end of the line. I'm happy that you called. Thanks, guys. That calms Ed down, and they finish the conversation like normal people. <laughs> he double-checks that she's okay, tells her to take care of herself, and says goodbye. He hangs up, and he and Al both sigh in relief. That kind of desperation is exactly what they're going to take advantage of, Greed points out, <laughs> apparently taking a leaf out of Ling's book and appearing right behind the boys and freaking them out. <laughs> Look at you. You guys are a mess after just one threat, and you called the one person who might be your weakness, tipping your hand to anyone who might be following you. He gives a sinister grin. It's a cinch to manipulate your type. Ed grits his teeth, looking uneasy, and asks Greed what he wants. Uh, his name was Ling, right? He asks, pointing at himself. Your friend asked me to do him a favor. He holds out a tattered scrap of cloth with the Shinese characters written on it. Some kind of writing? Ed asks as he takes it. What does it say? But Greed can't read it either. He points again at his chest and says, He asked me to give it to the woman who's waiting for him. Ed looks surprised, then suspicious. I don't know where she is. Greed says to just take it to her, and Ed grows even more suspicious. You're going to follow me and kill her, right? I would never do something so low, Greed insists, offended. Besides, I don't like to fight women, and it's one of my principles never to lie. He turns to walk away, waving over his shoulder. See you. I'm counting on you. Hey, Ling, Ed calls out, but he just waves again and says, I'm Greed. I like Greed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ling greed. <laughs> Greedling. Greedling. <laughs> greed 2.0. Or new greed. I think you called him new greed last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always call him greedling in my notes, but like my discussion notes, but <laughs> <laughs> he's he's insistent that he's greed. Mm -hmm. At least in this scene. <laughs> yeah. A little later, they made it to Dr. Knox's place, and Maya settled in on his couch to recover. It's just a mild concussion, he says, and Al sighs that that's good. Why is that good? Dr. Knox gripes. Thanks to you, I have another patient. Now I've got girls occupying my bed and my sofa. Where am I supposed to sleep? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hearing the ruckus in a familiar voice, Lanfon, still clearly in rough shape, enters the room. Alphonse? The prince? The prince isn't with you? Don't worry, he's alive. I've got a message from him, Al says, and he hands over the scrap of cloth. Lanfon reads it. She begins shaking and slumps against the wall. It says, I've acquired the Philosopher's Stone, she says, beginning to tear up. She slides to the floor, overcome. I'm so glad. Our clan is saved, she says to herself. Then she looks up eagerly. But where is the prince? We must hurry back to our country and tell everyone. Where is he? Al looks down, saying nothing, and Lanfon very quickly realizes that something is wrong. What happened? she asks, getting to her feet and reaching out to grab Al by the arm. You said he's alive, so why can't you bring him here? Answer me, Alphonse. Where is the prince? As if in answer, we cut to Greed, sitting atop the wall on the roof of Central HQ. The Fuhrer approaches from behind. How's that body treating you, Greed? So your wrath, Greed asks, then grins. I feel great. Did you hear? This is the body of a prince of Shin. He's something else. He wanted to become emperor so badly that he accepted me of his own free will. I've spoken with him before about his role as a leader, Wrath comments. He boasted that he alone could protect his country and people. The fool. 
He got too ambitious and lost everything. How pathetic humans are. Silence, something within Greed snaps. Don't underestimate human beings. Wrath is hilariously shocked by this, but Greed just shrugs. <laughs> His face is great. It is really good. He's normally not shocked by anything. So. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? This one is just waiting for me to let my guard down so he can take back his body. Wrath chuckles as he walks away. He accepted a monster into his own flesh. The avarice of humans knows no bounds. Takes one and no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ed has returned to the part of the city where he and Scar fought to clean up after himself. The military police are very happy to see him, as they weren't sure what to do about all the rubble. Sorry I made such a mess, Ed says, then asks if the officers are okay, since he recognizes them as having been knocked out during the fight. They say they're fine and ask how Ed is, since Scar was after him. Oh, uh, well, I'm tired. Busy day, Ed says, an extreme understatement. <laughs> I just want to clean up quickly and get some sleep. He uses his alchemy without thinking to fix up an alleyway, then belatedly realizes that, hey, he can transmute again. The officers cheerfully laugh and declare that he really is on a whole other level from your average alchemist. This morning, we asked some local alchemists to aid us with the restoration, but they were useless. They were full of bravado when they strutted up to us, but when it came time to perform, they got flustered, said they couldn't transmute for some reason. I like the sound effect veranda that's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love sound effects that aren't actually sound yeah, effects. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's one in a comic I was reading where someone like hit someone with a book and the sound effect was tome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. Ed realizes that that time correlates with when they were in Father's Lair. So it wasn't just me and Al who couldn't transmute, but other alchemists too, he wonders. Is he... So it wasn't just me and Al who couldn't transmute, but other alchemists too, he wonders, as the officers move on. Ed continues his cleanup efforts, finally finishing with the woman whose balcony he promised to come back and fix during the fight. The design is extremely Ed, but the woman is grateful and invites him in for tea. <laughs> it's like skulls and everything. It's perfect. It's, it is very Ed. See, he makes these, but I don't even think that they're, like, his style either. Right? Like, I don't know. I just don't see Ed with anything like this. He makes them all the time, but not for himself. <laughs> well, he doesn't really have any, like, personal effects. That's true. <laughs> like, he carries with him. I feel like if he were, like, in charge of designing his own home, he would do this. Because <laughs> he's always, like, saying, like, you should make something cooler like this. Like yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'm just, like, imagining his house. It's seems great. Yeah. <laughs> He's also he's also like a fourteen year old boy or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's very it has teen boy. It's very aesthetic. teenage boy yeah. aesthetic, mm -hmm. or just kind of like goth teen aesthetic in general. Yeah. I feel like it's like and it needs more skulls and the skulls need to have horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does wear a like you know red cloak with a, <laughs> mm -hmm. a that's a true a cool alchemical symbol on the back. On so. That's basically his mm -hmm. only significant personal effect. Mm -hmm. He just has his like I mean. He has his, like, uniform-type thing that he wears, but it's not, like, a military uniform. It's mm -hmm. just kind of a mm -hmm. generic, or, like, I don't know. I don't know how you describe it, but, yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. He has pretty simple fashion taste, other than his bright red cloak, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's fairly practical in, like, the things he's traveling with. Yeah, but <laughs> It's like, if I had my druthers, this is what it would look like. <laughs> if I hadn't burned down my house... For yeah, reasons, there would be skulls everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I shouldn't have written it down. I should have just transmuted skulls. Into a giant, <laughs> transmuted into a giant skull with horns that like breathes fire. 
Hohenheim comes back and is like, is this my house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'd probably be like, he's exactly like he's I was. Not <laughs> <as> it is. <laughs> <laughs> when Ed is styling his little bang in the shower, I was like, oh, I wonder if Hohenheim had a weird spiky haired bang <laughs> when he was Ed's age. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Ed declines, saying he just wants to get home and rest. He starts running through the situation with Al's body, muttering to himself as he heads back down the stairs to the street. We can bypass the problem of the toll if we can get a Philosopher's Stone, and then Al can transmute his own body. But wait, if Al transmutes while he's in the armor body, then the armor would also... He puts a hand to his head, frustrated. This isn't getting me anywhere. I'm so sleepy, I can't think. I know that feel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> when he's back outside, the woman calls out to him from her balcony. She waves and smiles. Thank you. Ed suddenly, re Ed suddenly remembering the lost soul, thanking him as he passed through the portal, looks down, frowning. Pull yourself together, he says, knocking himself lightly in the head. He continues down the street, deep in thought. They're just mindless energy without bodies or souls. I understand that. But something doesn't sit well with me which means that deep down inside, I'm not totally convinced. What do I do now? Should I track down another Philosopher's Stone? How can I just sit back and watch that Hohenheim lookalike carry out his hideous plan? He looks up as something occurs to him. That little girl and Scar, they were still able to transmute even after the alchemists here in Central couldn't. Is there a different type of alchemy that can be used to confront that guy with the beard? There's still so much I have to learn about alchemy. Ed refusing to call him father. every time every time he calls him the guy with the beard it makes me laugh <laughs> it's like in the middle of a dramatic monologue it's like that yeah. guy with the beard <laughs> what's he thinking what's he scheming <laughs> what's his beard thinking and scheming yeah it's like, does he keep it so lustrous <laughs> he signs up for like dollar shave or whatever. yeah <laughs> It's like, and you can have a beard just as fancily shaved as father if you sign. Use our promo code <laughs> for Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> Meanwhile, deep underground, Scar is still making his way through the homunculized tunnels, creeping his way along the pipes and grating above the main path. He remembers Ed telling him who really started the Ishvalan War and wonders at the reasoning behind it. Why would they foment a civil war at the cost of depleting this country's resources? Who was that man, and what is he plotting here so deep underground? As he passes over a grating with light shining up through it, a voice calls out, Who's there? Scar looks down, and in the room below, Marco stands. Is someone there? That's the end of chapter 56. Dun, dun, dun. A fateful meeting. Scar's really getting the whole smorgasbord <laughs> of people who were, you know, involved in orchestrating the death of his people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's all the worst people <laughs> in the world to me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what a good day. Question mark? He seems kind of hesitant about it, though, which is interesting mm -hmm. in and of itself, but you know, we can talk about yeah. it later. Yeah. This is big, except for when he shoves Marco in the face. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> That's just how he says hello. <laughs> he doesn't know how to not say hello that way. Yeah. It's like, I've been shoving my head in people's faces for so long. <laughs> it's like, you can't make a dog stop sniffing other dogs' butts. Like, you can't yeah. start not just shove people in the face immediately who say they're an alchemist. <laughs> It's how he greets alchemists. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 57 opens with Rory, Risa, and Armstrong all in the car and driving somewhere now. They fill Armstrong in on all the recent reveals about the Fuhrer and military command, and he's understandably very upset by this. All I, 
All I ever wanted was to protect my fellow citizens, he says, fists clenched and shaking. And I'm not the only one. I know many soldiers who enlisted for the same reason, who put their trust in the military. But if the ones in charge, if the military we depend on has already fallen. He trails off into silence, and Roy asks why he doesn't leave the service now. With your temperament, you'll only suffer here. Armstrong gets a haunted look on his face. There's a flash of memory from their time in Ishval, of Armstrong sobbing and shouting over the body of an Ishvalan child, and then of Roy and Hughes discussing his subsequent removal from the battlefield for insubordination. Hughes remarks, the most honorable way to leave this stinking battlefield is by disobeying orders. The military's methods were unconscionable, of that I was certain. But I deserted. I turned my back on my fellow soldiers. His expression grows fierce and determined. I should have remained on the battlefield and fought against this wrong. Ever since I fled from the Ishvalan front, not a day has gone by that I haven't felt ashamed of straying from my values and giving up. And now that I'm on the battlefield once again, how can I put my tail between my legs and flee? Roy and Risa are silent in response to that, until Armstrong asks Roy what he's planning to do. I told the Fuhrer that I won't quit because I have my own ambitions, he says, which surprises the other two. By revealing his true identity as a homunculus to me, it's almost as if he was saying, you might defeat me, but behind me is someone even more powerful. He's testing me. What an honor. Reza remarks that he seems pretty confident. I don't know about that, Roy says. It's a bit like when I fought the homunculus lust. He rests his hands together on his lap, and the scar from his carved-in transmutation circle is still visible. He smiles grimly. I've been called many names. Human weapon, monster. But it's only when I'm fighting a real monster that I feel truly human. It's like, Roy, that's a little fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Over at Dr. Knox's house, Lanfon has returned to bed to rest, and Al sits on the floor next to her, apparently explaining the situation with Ling. I see. So the prince accepted the Philosopher's Stone of his own free will. Lanfon speaks calmly, but she grits her teeth and clutches at the bedsheets with a shaking hand. I'm sorry, Al says. We should have stopped him. She turns her head away. I have no intention of blaming you. As his bodyguard, it is I who failed to protect him. They both fall silent for a moment, until Lomphon speaks up again. The prince. He is still inside this greed, is he not? She sits up suddenly, though it takes obvious effort to do so. How can the servant rest when her master still struggles? Alphonse, I need an arm, now. Find me an automail engineer. I want an operation. Al hesitates. I can help you, but rehabilitation will take a long time. No matter, she insists. And they won't operate unless you have enough stamina. Then convince them I do. No way. Even my big brother had to go through a year of hell to learn how to move his new arm freely. Don't underestimate me, Lanfon pushes. If he did it in a year, then I'll do it in six months. Al remembers Ed making his own declaration before his surgery, and he slumps in exasperated defeat. It's no use, huh? Those eyes tell me that nothing can sway you. You're just like my big brother. Lanfon is offended by that comparison, <laughs> but Al gives in and promises to introduce her to an engineer soon, thinking that she'll probably get along well with the Rockbells and their own overeager attitudes toward Automill. <laughs> like his little imaginary version of like Panaka going like, "You'll spit blood." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you seem gleefully excited about the um, the the pain. <laughs> <laughs> when he's like, no problem, let's do it while holding a wrench. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but first you have to regain your stamina, he insists. He turns to go and get some food for her, but stops when he notices May peering into the room from the hallway. You're, uh, 
Mei Chang, right? Should you be up already? He asks. Behind him, this name seems to catch L'Enfant's attention. And just in time, as she quickly grabs a book off the doctor's nightstand and holds it up to block a knife thrown by Mei. This alarms Al, but he's going to stay confused for a little while as Mei and L'Enfant <laughs> begin conversing in the language of Shin, which he clearly does not understand. The whole time in the background, it's just like him looking worried with question marks. <laughs> <like> yeah. <laughs> Your skills prove you worthy of being a bodyguard of the Yao family, Mei says. Lomfeng glares and asks who she is, and Mei answers, I am Mei Chang, the 17th royal princess, representative of the Chang clan, and I resent your insolent tone, dog of the Yao family. A princess eavesdropping? What terrible manners, Lomfeng says. An heir of the Chang family here, you must be seeking the secret of immortality. Mei confirms that she's correct, and adds that it must be fate that they meet here. Lomfeng agrees. How exceptionally pleased I am to discover my political adversary here, she says, drawing one of her knives that was hidden strapped to her leg. As a servant of the Yao family, I must eliminate any potential danger, no matter how small. <laughs> May brandishes several of her own blades. To keep my clan alive, I will defeat all rivals who get in my way. Al holds his hands out hesitantly and finally decides to speak up. Now hold on, I don't know what this is all about, but you shouldn't be fight- Don't interfere in the affairs of our country, they both snap. <laughs> And Al backs down with a terrified, okay. Xiaomei's <laughs> <laughs> pointy teeth are bared. I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the girls face off, shooting each other threatening looks and warning the other not to underestimate them because of their injuries. What the hell are you doing? Nox shouts suddenly, <laughs> knocking Lanfan and May on the head with a wash basin and a bowl of soup, respectively. <laughs> the two of you should be lying down. May stutteringly tries to repeat the don't interfere line, but Knox just interrupts and says, I don't care about the affairs of your country, idiots. A patient's a patient, no matter what country she's from. Sheesh. He starts to stalk off, and Lomfon and May immediately resume snarling at each other when his back is turned. Cut it out, he snaps. <laughs> With an ominous look, he continues, or maybe you two are trying to make an even bigger mess in my house than you already have. What if an unknown virus in a certain doctor's house were to infect and kill all its inhabitants? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Lomfan and May take in the less sanitary parts of their surroundings and meekly agree to back down. <laughs> a little later, Al is helping Knox tidy up the aforementioned mess. He asks Knox how long it's been since he cleaned, and when he says it's been four years, Al wonders if he doesn't have a family to split chores with. Just as that thought passes, Al finds a photo in the mess of a younger Knox, a woman, and a young boy. Doctor, this looks important, Al calls, holding it up. Oh, so that's where that was, Knox says. He tosses it carelessly into a random box. That's my ex-wife and son. Al hurries to rescue the photo and admonishes him to be careful with it, and Knox asks him how it's any of his business what he does with the things. Al stares at him, then looks down. When a family doesn't get along, it kind of makes me sad. It's not that we don't get along, Knox says, and Al asks why they're not living together then. What does it matter? What's it to you anyway? Knox grumps. Al looks uneasy. It, it's just that my mom died and my father hasn't come home in years. We don't even have a house. Your family is alive and you get along and you have a home to live in. So why do you live apart? It makes me sad. That seems to touch Knox's gooey center. <laughs> <laughs> and he scratches his head awkwardly. It's not much of a story, but if you insist... He takes a drag from his cigarette, and we see May tucked in on the couch, listening in as he begins. We separated after the end of the Civil War. It was after I returned from the Shvalin extermination. I was safe at home, but I had flashbacks of the battlefield. Then I began having insomnia. 
when I could fall asleep, I had nightmares and thrashed around. One night my wife got so worried that she attempted to wake me. I mistook her for an enemy soldier and tried to kill her right there in our bed. After that, it was impossible for us to stay together. He pauses for a moment, opening a cupboard and getting out mugs for coffee. I don't have any good war stories from Mishval, he says. Everyone who was involved in the Civil War came back scarred. We transition appropriately enough to Scar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who is kneeling on the grate above Marco's room. Are you from the outside? How did you get in here? Marco asks. But Scar wants to know who he is and what he's doing here before he answers any questions himself. Blood from his injuries from the fight with father drips down through the grating, and Marco asks if he's injured. My name is Dr. Morrow, he says. I want to know what's going on outside. Let me treat your injuries. Don't worry, the guard won't be coming around for a while. Scar considers, then lifts up the grating and drops down into the room. Marco is surprised to see he's an Ishvalan, but it takes him another moment to make the connection with his scarred face. Are you Scar, the one who's been killing all the state alchemists? So they call me, Scar says. Marco looks shocked, then lets out a shaky laugh, covering his face with his hands. Scar is puzzled by this reaction, but he just asks what a doctor is doing here, and if he's being detained. Yes, they forced me to cooperate, and they're going to keep using me, Marco answers. Scar asks what he knows about the homunculi, mentioning that they seem to know everything about the Ishwalan War. As he answers, we get a glimpse of Father seated on his throne. A small writhing mass of limbs, not unlike those on Envy's true form, is visible beneath the collar of his robe. One of them resembles a half-formed version of gluttony, reaching out and crying its hunger. It's true, Marco says. They control everything from the shadows. Their power is overwhelming and their methods a mystery. I, I hate myself for letting them take me without even putting up a fight. If you don't want to join them, fight them, Maro, Scar says. I'll take you to the outside. I'll take you to the outside. Expose their foul plans to the public. I can't do that, Marco cries. And he tells Scar about the village being held hostage to motivate him. They vowed that if I tried to escape or even killed myself, they'd destroy the entire village. He sinks down to sit on the floor, staring at his hands in his lap. It's not just a threat. I have no doubt that they would. So don't take me outside. Scar is unmoved by this. My people have been all but wiped out. Do you honestly think I would feel pity for you over a story like that? Marco continues to hang his head. I know. You must truly hate us. That's why I have a favor to ask of you. I want you to kill me. Scar's eyes widen in surprise at this request, but Marco's expression grows determined. My real name is Tim Marco, he says. I am the alchemist who created the Philosopher's Stone that led to the murder of your people. I am your nemesis. Scar stares, speechless, as Marco continues. Whether I refuse to cooperate with the homunculi or choose to take my own life, innocent villagers will be killed. Undoubtedly, even if I continue to live, I'll be utilized as a human sacrifice and contribute to the slaughter of countless more people. So please kill me. If I'm killed by an intruder from the outside, the lives of the villagers can be saved. And if I'm dead, their plan can be thwarted. Or at the very least, delayed. It was a stroke of luck that you, an alchemist assassin, arrived here when I was alone and powerless. Scar, you are heaven sent. Kill me, right here and now. I will atone for my sins with death. Scar lashes out, grabbing Marco's face and slamming him back into the ground, but he does not use his alchemy. I still haven't heard the full story of Ishval yet, he growls. What were you bastards really doing there? Tell me everything, Marco, before my right hand destroys you. Elsewhere, Ed has finally gotten that nap in back at the hotel. Get a snack earlier, he looks too, out as he... Yeah. <laughs> He looks out the window to see that it's dark out now, but Al still hasn't returned, and he groggily decides to go to Dr. Knox's house to see what's up. 
Before he gets too far, though, he notices the gun from Hawkeye lying on the nightstand and thinks that he'd better return it. I guess it's too late to go there now, though, he thinks. I'll drop it off at HQ tomorrow. Oh yeah, the lieutenant is the Fuhrer's personal aide now, so she might be in his sector. He remembers the Fuhrer threatening to cut him down if he steps out of line and shudders. I better return it to her tonight, he decides. <laughs> he uses the front desk phone to call into HQ and gets Breda on the line, who's there packing up his things. He talks for a bit about everyone's upcoming sudden transfers, then tells Ed that Hawkeye left already and gives him her address. A little later, Ed has arrived at her building and knocks on her door. Black Hayate barks, which she hears over the running water of her shower, and she sticks her head out of the bathroom door. Lieutenant, it's me, Edward, Ed calls. Edward, what are you doing here at this hour? He apologizes for the late visit and says he came to return what he borrowed. Oh, there was no rush, Risa says. As she lifts the towel from her shoulders to dry her hair, we see that much of her back is covered with a large, detailed tattoo. It bears more than a passing resemblance to Roy's flame alchemy circle, and parts of it are obscured by extensive scarring. Hold on a sec, she says. I'm on my way. Dun, dun, dun. That's the end of chapter 57. Wow. <laughs> that was another holy shit Yeah, that's another moment. part where I screamed and my husband was like, what? And I was like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> I keep joking about that, but it's literally true. Like, it happens over and over again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously the solution is just for him to refill an alchemist. <laughs> obviously. Mm -hmm. It's the solution to most problems, I find. Clearly. Mm -hmm. So before we get started, on the chapter break, at, at least in the Full Metal Edition, it's a plain black screen with an outline of Black Hayade saying, I'm hungry, master, please feed me. Mm -hmm. Nina scarred me. Anytime I see an animal talking, <laughs> I'm just like, nope, nope, <laughs> get it away. Anytime? Don't want it. I mean, at least in Full Metal. <laughs> oh, because Hay Black Hayate is like, want to play? <laughs> yeah, basically. But he's so cute. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. But... Yeah, so how about Reese's back? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does um look really familiar. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess Reese and Roy have more of a connection than just their current love connection. <laughs> it seems. Mm -hmm. But what is it? We don't know. Because Reese yeah. is not an alchemist. She has the guns and the stuff. That we know maybe of. Maybe she's maybe she <laughs> yeah. is the father. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she created all the homunculi. <laughs> it all everything's coming together. It all makes sense. Yeah, it's such a it's such a big tattoo. Mm -hmm. It's got all the mm -hmm. scarring on mm -hmm. it. It's just like a what? What? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've seen people mm -hmm. with tattoos. We talked about this before. Mm -hmm. We talked about this without telling me. I mean <laughs> 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 You know, like people like Kimberly and that other Giulio or whatever and they have scar. scar, right? They all have tattoos that they use for their like alchemy or whatever. And then the biggest scar, or the biggest scar, the biggest tattoo of all, <laughs> and she doesn't even use mm -hmm. it. But Roy uses it, at least it seems. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That freaking like salamander is a dead giveaway, and then it has the same yeah, shape and the like, flame on the top. Yeah, it mm -hmm. has like it's like his exact like transmutation circle in the middle, and then it's got like all this like extra detail. Yeah, extra it. tattoo yeah. stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely when I flipped the page here, I was like, what? What? When I saw it. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember it being a big, a big, like, holy shit moment, like I said, in the, like, fandom when it came out. What did people originally like, oh, yeah. think about it? Do you remember? I can't remember. I can't remember what theories there were. I mostly remember people, like, freaking out about it. But, um. Yeah. 
because they're like obviously related like i already know more about it so i can't really say but even at the time when i was reading it i don't think i would have really thought it would have just been like well obviously they're connected but like mm-hmm. i don't even know what the theory would have could have possibly have been it's just like obviously yeah. they know obviously he has that information from her but like why and how you know mm-hmm. also it's on her back it's so intimate <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Is it gonna be some kind of like Titanic scene where <laughs> she's he's like copying it off of her back, like reading it off of her back? <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like, mm. <laughs> it's like draw me like one of your nothing girls. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can neither confirm nor deny that that's either accurately represented in the series <laughs> and or in my fanfic that I published. <laughs> <laughs> there's gotta be good fanfic about him copying. That there's gotta be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't. You've never looked for never back any, tattoo I'm fanfic. Sure there is. <laughs> no, there's got to be a tag on um, Amethyst for that. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a it's a very popular uh, motif in the fan art of like of them too. Yeah, it's like her back with the tattoo on mm-hmm. it exposed in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've only well, no, she wore civilian clothes at one time, but like we've never seen her back or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes all the way up to her neck. Like it's a big tattoo. Yeah. So yeah, I guess because she's always in you know almost always in uniform, then we've never really mm-hmm. seen any part of the tattoo. So yeah, oh, it just like comes out of nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's nice that there's like the reminder right before of like the scar on Roy's hand and stuff because he hasn't yeah. used his gloves in a while, but the scar is still there yeah. at least. So mm-hmm. or where it's like healing, I guess. It's kind of funny because now they have matching. <laughs> she has a tattoo and he's a scar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also like. I think I'm more into it a little bit. Like, it's also kind of a. Continuing the whole theme of people's backs that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people's backs are definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. They exist, people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you talking about? Backs aren't real. It's not a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Like. It's that like birds aren't real fake conspiracy. Oh, like pigeons like, are oh, all, yeah. like replaced with they're all like spy <laughs> pigeons or whatever. Yeah. Government yeah, drones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts, yeah. Are, facts, facts are facts real. aren't real.com. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't even see them. How do you know they're there? Yeah. <laughs> you have to, somebody else has to see it and then tell it. I'm just playing. Right <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we gotta gear up <laughs> for uh, for Uba. <laughs> it's coming back. <laughs> Yeah, but then also it is scarred heavily, which is um, horrifying. So yeah, I also know how it's scarred. But at the time, I was like, I wonder how it's scarred. How can it be? How, what mm-hmm. happened? Because it's like, well, we know that she was in the war, so maybe it could be like an injury or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't know. There's a lot of intrigue, even though you can clearly tell yeah. that it's Roy's transmutation circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like how, 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 and why, mm-hmm. how and why. So many questions, <laughs> yeah, and no answers. Even if I wasn't going to like immediately read the following portion of the book, I feel like I still would have just been like, my mind is blown for a month until the next mm-hmm. chapter came out. If I was reading this yeah. at the time, yeah. I feel like, what does it all yeah, mean? Yeah, I know. I know my own reaction was just like, oh my god, I can't wait till the next chapter. What the fuck is this? Like, yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. I think I had any theories. I was just like, I need to I know. I need to know. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't want to think. I just need to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what the... It's more... It is kind of like... At least I felt the same way. It was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this here? It, it's on his gloves, and now it's here, on her back. It's here. 
Why is it here? <laughs> yeah. It's like there's even more to them than we already know is going on. They're obviously lovers. <laughs> I think I guess they're in love. They're not lovers. <laughs> she waited for him. That we him. know of. <laughs> that we know of. True. We've only just seen her back for the first time. There's so much we don't know yeah. about Risa. <laughs> All we know is that she's super loyal and has a dog and a big back tattoo that's <laughs> alchemy circle. Yeah. I do like the, like, just sort of, like, normalcy of her just, like, taking a shower mm -hmm. and her dog is barking at someone knocking at her yeah, door. And like... a giant tattoo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, she lives in a house, like a normal Yeah, it's person. like a little apartment. She doesn't live in, like, the dorm yeah. or anything. She's not, like, mm -hmm. like, Scar... I remember saying this before when we were talking about Scar's tattoo and Giolio's tattoos and um, what's his face? Uh, Kimberly's tattoos. Where mm -hmm. I was like, all the bad guys have tattoos, but Risa's not a bad guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. As far as we know. Yeah. But yeah, it is very like, it's just, I don't know, it's just so out of place because she doesn't use alchemy at all. She doesn't even like seem to know anything about alchemy as far as we could tell, mm -hmm. you know? So how does somebody end up with a giant tattoo on their back with a giant, like, Anyway, esoteric bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you walk into the shop and you're like, "Cool, Egyptian eye, eye of Horus. I'll yeah. have that one." Like, I'd like to get a full I want this giant. Yeah, yeah back I want piece, this please. Giant <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Oh, this is from my wild face when I used to party a lot." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I was just really, really drunk," and <laughs> and the guy was like, "All right, buckle up, lady," he said. And then I was there for the next 10 hours getting this giant back tattoo. He's like, I sobered up and then I got drunk again. <laughs> <laughs> he actually kept bringing me shots at the same time. It was great service. <laughs> You're like, don't besmirch Risa. <laughs> I'm sure there's a legitimate reason. I love her and I refuse to be told otherwise. <laughs> Arco would never make me believe that somebody is good and then they're actually bad, right? Right? Never. <laughs> yeah. Or that somebody's bad and they're actually good. I don't know. We'll see. Side note, I've forgotten, but there's a little amake in the back of uh, the original volume 14 mm -hmm. that has like um, Risa and Scar both being really disappointed at not being allowed in an onsen <laughs> because they have tattoos. <laughs> That's amazing. And Risa tells Scar to destroy the bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh. I feel like that's the most Japanese thing that's happened in Fullmetal Alchemist. I mean, I guess it's in Omake, but that's really funny. But, like, what about the scar? Like, I have questions. There's, like, really strategic parts of it that are burned out, though, or, like, that are scarred. Mm -hmm. There seems to be... Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, like, I guess there's just enough that we can still clearly see which part is that it looks like Roy's, but... Some mm -hmm. significant portion. There's a scarred. lot of the like tiny text that's scarred out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the text that has the secrets. Maybe mm -hmm. anybody can just draw mm -hmm. the circle, but they can't just use it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be special, like Roy, I guess. Question mark. Or have the secret knowledge that's now scarred. But how and why? Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I don't have any other things to say about it. It's just like crazy. Yeah. All this time, such a like a. Everybody has secrets in this story. <laughs> <laughs> Next, they're going to reveal something about Breda. <laughs> I'm going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> be like, oh, but he was the like lovable 
sassy one all this time and now he's a bad guy and he has <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I was gonna say he's got a piercing with the <laughs> out of his own. This um the scene where he's talking to Ed on the phone, he kind of has a gut, so I was like, Yeah, maybe he has like a big like chest tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> He has like a tattoo of like a face on his like gut. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could kind of see him having that actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's exciting. I do like mm -hmm. Ed being like mm -hmm. a good boy and being like, I better bring her her gun like right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, on an unrelated note. Yeah. Yeah, the whole bit is cute. I like that he came back and fixed the, the balcony for the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because he promised during the fight, he's like, I'll come back and fix it yeah. later. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't think that you would actually come back and fix it. And it's probably been, mm -hmm. what, like 24 hours, I think, at this point? Probably something I like realized, that, yeah. Uh, in the scene where they were calling Winry, it was like, they dropped her off at the train station, and then they went and fought Scar, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Well, something they fought like that, Scar, yeah. and then they I dropped her was... off at the train station, right? Yeah, because yeah. she was there, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Little... They, they all... Like, they fought Scar, and then they did all that stuff. Um, then they go to the house. And the then suburbs. they, like, went to check on her. And That's then when everything went down. They dropped her off and then went into the suburbs. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, so it's been... So they fought with Scar, dropped her off, went to the suburbs, got sucked into the void. Like, it's been... Mm -hmm. It's been yeah. only, I think, like, 24 hours or maybe, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's probably why Winry's like, did you already break your... Yeah, really? <laughs> I was like, Winry's... I literally like, just got back here. Winry's gonna be disappointed to find all that, like, blood caked inside it, though, from being in the void. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be like, oh, what yeah. did you do? <laughs> like... <laughs> Especially in his foot. Um, <laughs> which is gross. At least he's finally clean. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he's, uh, you know, flashing innocent minors. <laughs> <laughs> she was in his, like, Al's, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's Al's scene. fault. Well, yeah. Al stopped. I think she was mostly unconscious. I think so. Because <laughs> in that scene, it's like you can see her, like, I guess it's like labored breathing, and then Xiaomi is, like, poke, kind of poking her while she's inside Al. Yeah. Xiaomi does look scandalized. Though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> scandalized, but also kind of enthralled. Like, <laughs> yeah. Xiaomi's like, um, how can I describe? Because, <laughs> like, you know how Xiaomi's kind of mischievous with the little, with the drinking and the partying and the, oh, yeah. and the tiny panda that can drink a whole pint of liquor and stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I liked that scene. That was funny. And I like Envy sassing Ed. So like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Stop acting like you're in a manga, which is really funny. Good old fourth wall break. Mm. <laughs> I thought it like throws the bar of soap at him as he's yeah. <laughs> I like the bar of soap is military branded. Also, they're yeah. all like military mm -hmm. issue underpants and like military. Yeah, yeah because the underwear is too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people probably need military issue underwear. I don't know. Things probably happen. <laughs> Well, anyway, some other things happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I feel like we should start with the father because that was kind of like at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So if we go all the way back okay. to the beginning, uh, father uh, ripped Gluttony's, <laughs> like, <laughs> the rest of whatever Philosopher's Stone heart was out and then died, but mm -hmm. said that he would bring him back with all his memories intact. So we didn't actually see that, except for what seemed like that little weird baby gr uh, Gluttony. That was popping mm -hmm. out of his chest, which was really creepy at the end. Yeah. Bit yeah. of 
Have a bit of a Zeus there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, he does seem to be some kind of godlike figure, so yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also, yeah, he pulled stuff out of his head last time, which is also a Zeusy kind of thing. So. Yeah. yeah. This is always pulling stuff out of his body to make mm-hmm. into other stuff. I feel like he wears like a toga or something like that. Something that He's resembles like a Greek or Roman. Represented that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it turns out that Amestrius is just Greece. <laughs> Ancient Greece. <Yeah. laughs> All along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think Xerxes is somewhat uh, ancient Greek in its... Uh... Well, it's like Persian, Listen, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, the but... name is... Like, Xerxes is, was a uh, Persian king or emperor or something, yeah. historically. Um, I feel like from the like ruins we've seen, they seem a bit like... They seem a sort of classical oh, Roman yeah. kind of style. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, something in that kind yeah. of era, yeah. yeah. Like, nothing's, like, a direct one-to-one correlation in the series. No, but, but, yeah. but the other interesting thing that we learned is while uh, Father was doing the thing where he turned off their alchemy, which it seems like what he did, it turned out turned off alchemy everywhere. So not just mm-hmm. underground. Which we kind of saw, well, we right? Because we saw the shockwave kind of... Interesting from far away. We saw it kind of go woof. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we kind of saw it go, like, woof over the city, and then Hohenheim being far away and kind of sensing mm-hmm. it implied that yeah. it was a little further than just... Since you get, like, a, a, city, like a dog mm-hmm. sensing a, a rainstorm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then the soldiers later are like, haha, those other alchemists sucked. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. So yeah, it turned out other people couldn't do alchemy yeah. at the same time, too. I like how the soldiers were like two words away from making a performance anxiety joke. Were they really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they did. Well, they were like, when it was time to perform, they were useless yeah. or whatever. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying when, when it was time to perform, they weren't up to the task? Is that the, <laughs> is that the joke that we're missing? <laughs> I get it. I'm funny. <laughs> I, could, I could write a Viagra commercial. <laughs> but we were reminded again that Ed Ed has taken note that Scar and May were able to keep using alchemy. So there must be something different mm-hmm. about Shingi's uh, alchemy as opposed to Amestrian mm-hmm. alchemy. So yeah, I think he's on the chase. And the other thing that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting, well, I mean, uh, related, he also told uh, was able to finally tell Al more detail about the the void and like the process and whatever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And Al, I, I mean, at first Ed seemed like he wasn't concerned about using the philosopher's stone, and Al seemed kind of concerned. But then later, when Ed was walking away from fixing all the stuff, he also seemed sort of um, concerned and like was thinking about how they were going to handle all these problems that are related to potentially trying to get Al's soul back. Like, he was like, mm-hmm. oh, but mm-hmm. he'll be in the armor and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point when I was reading it. So yeah. it did seem to raise more questions, yeah, like the... but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that little, like, um, I don't know, kind of character note, I guess, of, like, Ed at first mm-hmm. being like, no, it's totally fine. Yeah. You, you can use the Philosopher's Stone because he's worried about getting Al out of there. Yes. Yeah. Al didn't see his skinny butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, like, later on, he's like, no, I'm not actually convinced of this. I was just trying to convince myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, and reassure Al, probably, too. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Again, yeah, nothing unsett- nothing settled, but the quest mm-hmm. continues. They have some more information. Yeah. yeah it, was a, it, was a, it was a good boy, Ed. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. fixed all the chapters, things, yeah. and then he took a nap, mm-hmm. and then he went to return the gun. Yeah, he was being a good boy. It's called Winry. Oh yeah, he called yeah. Winry, which was also hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like how she's like, I "It's creepy that. that you're calling." 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love how Al is trying to like shove the as box. Much of his <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a guy walking past the box with a little note that said like, "Whoa, yeah. huge!" Or whatever. He's huge or something like that. Yeah. And then I like how Greedling comes up and is like, uh, "Hey, Law, are you trying to call that person who's your one weakness?" <laughs> like that was really yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then he didn't really seem to care. So yeah, he's just kind of like, "Guys, yeah. come on." <laughs> it was pretty funny. I missed uh, be a little less obvious. <laughs> I do like Greed a lot, so it's kind of nice to have him back. Yeah. Yeah. I like how um, we talked about it a bit last time, but like, even though he doesn't have the memories of the old greed, he seems to have the same personality. Yeah. And mm -hmm. in this chapter, he had like the same little like slogan. Mm -hmm. I'm like fighting women. Original greed. And it's my. Not to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It seems like he has like a set of personality that's the same, mm -hmm. but just no memories. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And I like how he's like actually like doing the favors that Link yeah. asked him. <laughs> well, he doesn't have anything to lose. He doesn't give a shit, so. Yeah. yeah. It looked like that was, like, the bandage from Link's hand. Like, mm -hmm. the mm. thing that, the, the fabric that he wrote on. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. So maybe he wrote it before or whatever. Well, so another interesting thing is we found out that um, the father had the choice to give Greed back mm -hmm. his memories. Yeah, but why would right? he do he, that? Says, he wants to have a servant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean... It just yeah. it just occurred to me that like yeah he's you know that they he just stated straight up that he had the the, the chance to just never mm -hmm. did mm -hmm. yeah and, because greed had rebelled against him yeah for whatever reason previously so it's like let's try this yeah. again <laughs> how about yeah. a do over are you yeah. ready little boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know but then greed also uh you know in the conversation with the fear um. He was all sassy and was like, don't underestimate human beings and stuff. And mm -hmm. Greed mm -hmm. said, this one is waiting for me to let my guard down so he can take his body back, which is really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it seems like Ling is still he's able there. to like, emerge if the if Greed's not like on his guard. He kind of also seems like he's mm -hmm. able to give input to Greed, like getting him to write the note mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because Greed was like, I don't yeah, know, I, I can't that, read it or whatever. Yeah, so I was like, I guess that writing does kind of imply that like he gave Ling control for a minute to write that. Note yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And then he told Greed yeah. to give the thing to Ed, and then he did. So he did a good mm -hmm. deed? Question mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or at least he did a deed that didn't uh, interfere with anything in any way. So I yeah. thought they're all he did a, huh? a not bad. Yeah. <laughs> They're all kind of in this like tenuous situation where they're all like, "Don't do anything." It's like, okay, mm -hmm. like, and by they I mean Ed, Al, and like Roy, basically, yeah. mm -hmm. and our other military friends. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I guess the homunculi. I mean, they're still doing their thing, but they're kind of like, if you guys just like lay low, we won't do anything bad to you for now, basically. So, yeah, yeah I guess it doesn't matter if greed brings him something or whatever. You know, they all know about each other. Mm -hmm. All everything's aired out except for what the full plan is. And their full yeah. roles, but they're kind of like, just like be cool and it'll be fine. <laughs> mm -hmm. And all our military friends are like, it's not fine. I refuse for it to let it be fine. But yeah. uh, we'll see. I did. I liked the conversation between Greed and and Wrath as well because Wrath described him as uh, Ling as being like too ambitious and, and he lost everything and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we kind of got to see earlier. We had seen. Uh, Rath and Ling argue about the like role of leadership or like uh, mm -hmm. their philosophy about leadership. Um, 
So it's kind of interesting to see that like brought up again with mm-hmm. with new greed with greedling. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just nice to know that Ling is still there. <laughs> yeah, which we knew, but it's kind of nice yeah. to just see him. Oh yeah, but I do like how you also mentioned how he just like popped up behind them, which I don't know if Greed would have done, but that's definitely a Ling thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like show up. <laughs> oh, and I didn't mention it, but when Al like screams in that scene, you can see Shamay in it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I do like Shamay just like randomly popping up all the time out of Al's armor. It's really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how she's like decided that like Alice is yeah. funny. Yeah. I like how everyone else has decided that she's a cat. This is like the fifth time that someone's mentioned yeah. it. And it makes me mm-hmm. chuckle every time. Which I believe I stated before, but Yeah. <laughs> like even Ed is like that little cat. It's like mm-hmm. oh, no, she's not a cat. <laughs> oh yeah, and then um <clears throat> after after leaving the father's place and being escorted away and having a shower, they add mm-hmm. Ed and Al rendezvoused with the colonel. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and and the Fuhrer, and uh, it turns out that all the military command is in on the plan, as mm-hmm. Roy said. So we had seen like a small group last time. I guess we're to assume that that's like all top military command in that room. But yeah, I mean, whatever. Even if it's not, Roy tells us they're all in on the plan. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not just a small group of people. It's like all command. They all know. So. I like how um like resigned Roy is in that yeah. scene. But I think he's like they show me just like hey. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think he's resigned but like calculating, you know. Yeah, I think he's yeah. keeping everything to himself. But the way he's just kinda like, mm, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all all I mean Ed now are kind of like uh 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 the whole time and Roy's just like Yeah, be cool. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like um like when um like when the Fuhrer threatens Winry mm-hmm. and Ed like slams his hands yeah, down. He's like, absolutely like, not. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes. Which is um like horrible but cute. Yes. Um, but I also like how you know Ed's the only one who's like shouting because he's Ed. Yes. But you can see that like like Roy's like frowning deeply and Al's got mm-hmm. like hands are shaking mm-hmm. like also. Yeah, they're definitely all scared, which they should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just seems like they're all like Ed describes the uh the rest of the team as being held hostage. I think essentially Roy mm-hmm. and Ed and Al are too, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. By threatening Winry or or you know, other love interests, mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Winry is being used to keep Ed and Al in line, Jesus. and Roy's Roy's group, especially yes. Risa, is being used to keep Roy in yes. line. I mean, there's a reason um, he chose Risa to be his personal. Yeah. No shit. Yep. Out of that group. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, also all the others are incompetent. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's like Fallman's boring. Uh, like Fury's a nerd. Uh, <laughs> he's like I can't have any of these people. We need to get Risa in here. She's the only one who I can stand. <laughs> but yeah, definitely that's a hundred percent why. So yeah. And then they're all freaking out that he has this one sword. And they're like, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. Just so you know, we're all just so we're all clear about how I'm in control of everything, and you guys suck. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I like how at first it seems like they're like maybe we can take him, but they're going like, but they're actually going like he thinks he's aware that he can beat us. Yeah, like, of course, mm-hmm. which he probably could. Yeah. yeah, Roy doesn't have his special gloves. How can he do a special <laughs> alchemy? <laughs> and it's probably just like I'm tired, huh? Yeah, he's <laughs> like I really need a nap. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> his brand of gloves is that what you're gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder if he can still use the scar or like the the wound on his hand. It looks yeah. pretty faded. Yeah. yeah. I guess it has to be like a really solid good circle. That's why everybody who wants mm -hmm. to have a uh, alchemy stuff available at all times gets it tattooed. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why Roy doesn't have a tattoo on his hand. Well, I was actually going to talk about that. Because um, as we've sort of said, said and seen, it typically is like the, the more evil people <laughs> that do have it tattooed. And when we see it, it's him talking about how uh, it's only when he's fighting that he feels alive mm. and like how he's been called a monster and all of that. And I wonder if that's sort of a a note as to how it's like he could go either way. He could like mm -hmm. if he if he lets his ambition and all that take the better of him and he loses sort of why he's doing all of that. Mm. He could turn out like all these people. Uh, that have the their tattoos and and, and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he probably has some mixed feelings towards his own alchemy, considering the things he's been forced to do with it, implied through the war flashbacks. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, being used as a human weapon might make you yeah. rethink. Yeah, mm -hmm. Armstrong also has his uh, sigil on a removable like yeah. piece of clothing. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. True. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. None of them were hardcore enough. Mm -hmm. Neither of them wanted to just blow things up like Gimli. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't know that much about Giolio, but I feel like we're led to believe that Kimberly is a little bit... Like, there's something up with Kimberly. He's in prison. Whereas yeah. Armstrong, and, uh, Armstrong and Roy obviously aren't. So, mm -hmm. like, who knows about, like, what happened after the war or whatever. Like, maybe Kimberly did something else. But wasn't his nickname, like, the crazy arsonist or the mad arsonist? Yeah, like, the, the mad, mad bomber. Mad bomber. Like so, the Bob Armor implies he's used it for things other than what he's been ordered to. So. Yeah, it certainly yeah. seems like that's the case. So, yeah, yeah as opposed to uh, people like Roy and and Armstrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I suppose if you have mixed feelings about it, then you probably wouldn't want it tattooed. Yeah. And he doesn't do. I mean, I don't know, whatever. We never really see people like dabbling, but Roy, you don't see Roy like fixing the streets and stuff. Like he only ever uses alchemy when he has the gloves on like, mm -hmm. only, at least that we've seen right yeah. yeah except to make the fake maria ross body which was implied i guess but we, we still didn't see oh it. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it was <laughs> yeah. apparently not great yeah apparently. Yeah. And then, i mean there's also the, the time he he offered to use the lust zone to heal havoc yeah that's right so like i guess he has some dabbling abilities yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean he's he for the most part knows what he wants to, to be yeah i think mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, like alchemy is probably like similar to most like scientific things, where it's like you have to learn all the basic stuff, but then you like choose an area to specialize. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Ed and Alan, you're just trying everything because you're trying to get your bodies back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I bet Roy probably could fix the stuff, but it just mm -hmm. it's just like you just never see him doing it. I guess in the story is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I believe he has the power, to, like, but yeah, and he'd have to like draw out circles and everything. Cause he doesn't have it. <laughs> Yeah. sewed in on his glove for anything else <laughs> and he hasn't he can't clap to transmute like some people so <laughs> yeah slash yeah, he pray, hasn't <laughs> depending on how you mm -hmm. feel about it yeah yeah, yeah he hasn't uh oh i think like some people or not... pray not like <laughs> clap or pray <laughs> yeah you know people or pray i mean it depends on how you feel and where you are in a mess so if you're like underground mm -hmm. in the tunnels you're probably pray mm -hmm. <laughs> If you're Scar, you'd probably see them as prey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he doesn't see them as prey. He sees them as heartless murderers who deserve to be sent to their own maker. <laughs> <laughs> but who's the heartless one now, Scar? Huh? Hey. <laughs> she yelled at a fictional character. <laughs> I guess um, I did like the uh, the scene with Armstrong. Yes, me too. So. Mm -hmm. Has there yeah. been another flashback of him before, or is this the first one? Yeah, I think oh, we've we seen that same that same panel. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. the similar. Yeah, I think story. we've seen him like yeah, with holding the uh, the body holding of the child, the child and sobbing before. Um, but I think this is the first time we've seen. I think we might have got a bit of the like dialogue about him being uh, sent back from the battlefield. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've actually seen that. Like Roy and Hughes are the ones discussing it. And... Yeah, maybe that's what it was because I thought we had seen. We did see a couple flashbacks before, mm -hmm. and then the like. I like guns because you don't have to feel the. Yeah, so see, we saw like. a flashback that was like mostly dialogue, separated from who was saying yeah, the it. Scenes, so. mm -hmm. right, right, yeah, yeah. So just another wee flashback, but yeah, I think I think it's interesting what Armstrong says, where he he feels ashamed, like not about running away from the or whatever, deserting the military or whatever he did to get discharged or get to leave the front or whatever, but. Mm -hmm. He says, not from that, but from stay straying from his values. He feels ashamed about straying from his values. Mm -hmm. um, and he talked about how people sign up to, like, defend their mm -hmm. fellow citizens. Yeah. Than, you know, go on an extermination campaign. Yeah. Which is, um, it's something I, like, forget about sometimes, but it's like, it was a civil war. Right. These felons are Amestrian citizens. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they... So he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I signed up to protect... All, all people my fellow asterisk. citizens and now i'm being forced to kill them mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. yeah it's understandably bad yeah and doctor uh well no dr knox said that everyone came back scarred from mm -hmm. the yeah. war which totally makes sense yeah mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i like that it's like he's it's like he felt that not that he should have like stayed and kept, kept fighting but he should have like stayed and like made a stand against it yes yeah yeah mm -hmm. I kind of that's how I choose to interpret when Roy says I feel like I feel like human when I'm fighting a real monster. It's like mm -hmm. when I'm I chose to interpret what he's saying is like when he's you know standing up against something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More human as opposed but I do think that you're right that Roy's character kind of represents the you know the line the fine line between going too far and like being ambitious or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it'd be easy for him to slip into a, a more um like if he was just super hungry for power he could be like you know the Fuhrer's like number one guy he could fall in line and be up in the military command or whatever but that's mm -hmm. not really necessarily what he wants i think yeah yeah and i think there's a general like theme of like people like having like idealistic expectations when they like join up in the military and then yeah mm -hmm. like, having to do horrible things if they keep following orders like Armstrong saying that like he signed up to protect people and then we even get like the whole thing where like some of the military people were what am I saying um <laughs> like when they went to uh to bring Marie Ross to Shin and they met at the Xerxes and Ed's oh. talking about his like idealism mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like the other soldiers are like yeah that is idealistic but like it's cool that people can think that way still like mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of an idea of like the whole like, we were idealistic when we were young and joined up, but then things went horribly. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, I was going to say, uh, not just even carry out horrible things, but even comply. Like, Ed tries to quit during this chapter, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the fear is like, 
how about that girl? Yeah. <laughs> how oh, yeah. about her? He's like, never mind. <laughs> he he wants to quit because he doesn't want to be a part of, you know, a part mm-hmm. of the, the bad things that he perceives that are happening, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess at this point, it's kind of the opposite of Armstrong. But anyway, they'll all continue, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could say, I feel like the equivalent of what Armstrong did would be like if they just kept their heads down and didn't do anything like the Fuhrer told them to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which they obviously won't, but we'll see what happens yes. later, I guess. Yeah. Well, even in these chapters, they're like, Ed's like, we can't just let them keep going. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think they're all just kind of recalculating. Like, Roy Yeah, they're like... kind of at a loss at the moment of where to go from here, but they're figuring it out. Well, the team's all disbanded. What are they going to do now? Especially Ed is also, they still have their goal of trying to get Al's, like, get their bodies back to normal and whatever. So now it's like... Okay, well, on top of that, he has all these other problems to deal with mm-hmm. personally still, so. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty um, clever move on Al's part to be like, can we still look for our bodies? Because I yes. guess yeah. our freedom of movement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Fear's like, I don't give a shit what you do, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So. He's like, well, if you both have two hands, then it'll help open the portal. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess it's worth my time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He didn't seem to care, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that might go with the with him underestimating humans, right? He's like, yeah, I think I found their weak point. They're not going to, you know, do anything because you know, they're mm-hmm. humans. Something along those lines. Yeah, because he yeah. says like, as long as you don't interfere, I don't care. But it's like, <laughs> they're obviously going to interfere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how Al asked it in such a nice way too. He's like, um, like, can we still look for our bodies? And yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever. While he calmly sips tea, while they're all freaking yeah. out. <laughs> Yeah, I love Al's like nervous politeness in the scene. Like even like, after mm-hmm. the like sword stabbing incident, yeah, they're like, "Ha ha, like, bye." <laughs> yeah, like, uh, can we go? <laughs> Is there anything else? And then yeah. they walk out of the room for like five minutes, and they're like, "Ah." <laughs> yeah, I love them like freaking out, and Roy's like, "The fuck?" Because yeah. he has no idea yeah. that there's a small child in the armor. And then they like mm-hmm. take his money and his uh, yeah. oh, his yeah. address, <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah, I've been like, "And money, give me everything you got." Give me money. <laughs> And he's like, is this it? <laughs> yeah. Roy's like, what? Are you mugging me? Or whatever. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I thought Roy does it, though. It's yeah. like, even as he's complaining, he still like, gives the children and his then had change. enough money to call Winry and get a hot dog or whatever he was eating. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kind of some kind of food. <laughs> yeah. It's super cute. They're like, give me your change. We need to make a phone call, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, fine, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he gave it to them. It's just really mm-hmm. funny. Speaking of... Uh, crippling war stories we got to learn more about dr knox after mm-hmm. knox after uh, yeah. Al goes there, which was really sad i was yeah. like oh oh no not dr knox too he's so soft and gooey mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it turns out like, yes hmm? continues to be uh honorary as he helps everyone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I think that uh, Lanfond and, and May deserve to be smacked in the head, even yeah, though at oh, least yeah. one of them has a concussion. I was like, I don't think you should be doing that, <laughs> but uh, whatever. You know, well, I'm not the doctor Concussion's probably better than, you know, <laughs> knife wounds. Yeah. True <laughs> Nox is like, I don't want to have to clean up all the blood from my house. Stop fighting yeah. in here. <laughs> Like, oh, he's like, what if some mysterious virus were to like take out everyone in this doctor's house? And they're all like, ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. I love him complaining. He's like, there's someone in my couch and my bed. Where am I supposed to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, he's like, where am I supposed to sleep? But it's like, but you're letting them stay there because you're soft yeah. and gooey. So. Yeah. It's all an empty complaint. Mm-hmm. 
It's like when he was like, I'm not waiting around for you guys. And proceeded yeah, then you to waited sit around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like how Lanfan's still in- insisting on asking for the automail surgery. So I wonder if mm-hmm. that will happen soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. And it turned out, did May see that she's the 17th princess? Or she's the yeah. So does that mean that Ling is 12th and she's 17th? I think, I think so. Because so. I feel, I feel yeah. like there's 50 clans. Like Yeah, I feel like 17th doesn't make low status you. to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, oh, we're like the low status, one of the lower status clans before. But I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Maybe she's well, the 17th like, uh, in line. Yeah, I think it's just like birth order. Yeah, I guess Rather so. than like status. Mm. So it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the goal is that like she's high enough that she can maybe get more status because mm-hmm. she has yeah. a chance at grabbing the thrones and she's not super low on the. Yes. Like. She's in the succession top 50th list. percentile. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like actually we don't know how many like actual heirs there are. We just yeah. know there's 50 clans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So presumably there's some you know, top person yeah. in all the clans. That's what it's kind of implied to me. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, there's yeah. probably, like, some concubines with no children and some with more than one. So. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Sucks to be those guys. Yeah. The other siblings. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So then, of course, they were fighting, which was bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgot this is the first time we get, like, confirmed that she's one of the royal family. Yeah, that mm-hmm. had, they, <laughs> she hadn't said that for, like, a the whole time so yeah. it could have just been i mean it's kind of obvious that she has something important to do for her clan that's why she's there yeah mm-hmm. and she has the same like goal as ling does so mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it was it was the first time that they actually confirmed that she's uh, actually in line to i guess inherit the throne i don't know if you can be a lady empress in china but yeah she's one of the one of the people in line so yeah i don't know so yeah now everybody's camping out at knox's house yeah mm-hmm. and we learned about his sad family story Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is sad because Knox is so greedy. Mm-hmm. I like how Al was kind of like, it's sad that families don't, when families don't get along. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. Al, you're so cute. <laughs> so innocent. I think you can see Knox be like, son of a bitch. Like, yeah, basically. Like, so <laughs> yeah. He's like, family what, about, what about your, your family? You have a house and your family's still alive. And he's just like, I don't want to be the one. You can tell he's kind of like, I don't want to tell you this story. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because Al's still a kid. He's like, what, like 12? Mentally, he's or like, whatever. He's so, fourteen. Like that. Oh, and Ed's 14, like he's yeah. fourteen, and Ed's fifteen. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. He's yeah. Like a, I don't want to be the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, he was obviously like, like I can't not can't really respond not. sincerely <laughs> to that sincere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Al's um, as the more uh, less shout. I was gonna say more empathetic, but I think just less shouty one. Mm-hmm. Al's good at getting people to do stuff with his words you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah same with like i guess reassuring lan fan or talking to talking to her about about ling so mm-hmm. kind of explaining things you know ed would have been like whatever he he was stupid <laughs> like, <laughs> just leave the room or whatever yeah. <laughs> so but yeah i don't know lan fan's injury is still fresh you shouldn't be fighting yeah, yeah. a girl with a tiny panda i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. I support Dr. Knox's uh, decision to snack them with pans. And yeah. <laughs> and then I love how they're like, back out of our affairs or whatever. Yeah. The same thing that they shouted at Al, but in yeah, a Yeah, they shouted at Al and it like scares him back, scares him away from it. But like, he's, she starts to say it to Knox and, you just... and then he's like, back off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Knox is the scary gooey type. It's mm-hmm. a type. The gooey on the inside and scary on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say like Cinderella, but like not really. <laughs> just, <laughs> just gooey, and then 
He's uh, like a... ornery, ornery and gooey. Yes, he's like a grump dairy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that you used grump as a verb. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like that's a part of our oeuvre mm-hmm. on this this in this podcast network question mark yeah nox definitely grumps yeah he does mm-hmm. if anybody in this series grumps it's probably like nox followed by ed Mm-mm. in terms of mm-hmm. most grumping yes <laughs> well the last bit that i want to talk about was scar and dr marco mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we returned under the tunnels where scar is still there i wonder if father can like sense that he's there or whatever i guess he doesn't have like you know like sheen um, powers oh okay yeah you know what i mean yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to notice them, like, coming toward him. That's true. In the previous yeah. chapters. I guess he kind of has his own shit going on. Yeah, he you could know. just not care. Like, he says that, like, That's true. humans are, like, insects yeah. to him. That is true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does have to, he seems to have like, an even, even more severe, yeah. you know, kind of, like, opinion of people than even the homunculi did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe they're all chimeras to him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <In> the... <laughs> He's just like, ah, another servant yeah, in the just tunnel. some kind of lesser soul moving around over there. Maybe. I mean, maybe he can't even sense them. Maybe he's just like, oh, the, yeah. the chimeras take care of it eventually. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he's busy regrowing gluttony or whatever, which is gross, but... Yeah. Do you think his chest is just yeah. like that and we just haven't seen it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, or is it just because he's busy... Gestating. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incubating. <laughs> just dating. <laughs> I was like, what do they call it when it's like a chicken <laughs> before an egg hatches? Grab it. Yeah. <laughs> See, grab it. <laughs> I mean, Envy is like part lizard, so it all makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I don't think that the kind of like homunculi things can get any more gross than something always proves me wrong. Like tiny, yeah. tiny greed and like these... Or tiny greed, tiny gluttony, and like bubbling souls on father's chest. Yeah, mm-hmm. so gross. And tiny gluttony's already like I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is a gluttony. Or he is a father's um, gluttonousness. What's <laughs> what's the noun form of gluttony? Or like not not noun hunger. form. <laughs> uh, adjective form. Wait, hunger. Yeah, hunger. <laughs> There's got to be a better word for hunger. Like a more yeah, I'm trying to think. Word. I can't remember. Um... In the um the dub of the O three anime, one thing I thought was kind of fun is um like all the homunculi would like introduce themselves as saying like in Japanese it was just like like it would say like lust in English, the lustful in Japanese. Mm. Um but they changed that to like lust the lastivus and greed the avaricious, mm, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know right. if gluttony ever got introduced that way, because gluttony doesn't like talk like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone like... talked about gluttony. Yeah. It's like a direct translation would have been like greed the greedy, which sounds stupid. Yeah. So they made it yeah. like, greed the avaricious. His his appetite. Yeah. <laughs> his ravenousness. That's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was that. Gluttony the ravenous. Ravenous. Yeah. It's probably what I would choose if I were doing that. I just don't know if it ever got used. Mm-hmm. What yeah. were we talking about? Anyway, let's talk about Dr. Marco. Marco. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. Interesting meeting. It's yep. fate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so. And then yeah, Scar- I feel like that's one of those, like, the minute you see them both on the same page, you're like, oh. oh. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, Dr. Marco is also uh, responsible for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Responsible. He's, I mean, I feel like we still don't really know what he actually did at this point. It's like, mm-hmm. he's he's known for making the, 
philosopher's stone like he said i made the philosopher's stone and i yeah. think mm-hmm. we know the like homunculi taught him how to do it or whatever mm-hmm. but it's still not i think it's still not super clear at this point like what he actually did you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. he obviously feels bad about it yeah i don't know yeah. and it's interesting that scar instead of just exploding him right away he was like i want answers tell me more mm-hmm. yeah well, I love how he's like threatening to kill the man who's begging to be killed. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, oh, I'll kill you if you don't tell me. It's like okay. he wants. He, he wants you to kill him. I'm not really sure it was a threat. It was just like, like tell me before before I, I, kill, mm, you, before I kill you. That's true. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. Marco doesn't have anything left to lose at this yeah. point, especially if somebody's going to kill him who's not going to get rid of the village. So yeah. yeah, I do like how Scar is like really one village. Really, like yeah. all my people are gone. <laughs> But I feel like that's just like what Marco's like clinging to to feel better about himself. Yeah, he obviously feels a lot of guilt about whatever he did. So, mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting that they, the homunculi, are able to use that to hold that over him. I also feel like he just kind of like wants to die anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even without all the circumstances. I think he's kind of just waiting for them to decide that they're done with him. Like he knows that the, mm-hmm. he's not going to make it out of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So every time they come, he's like, "Oh, I can't believe I." didn't even resist when they came and it's like but you didn't want to like you you know probably like yeah i think he knew they were going to come back for him at some point i think he knew that they would like they're obviously not his his role in whatever the plan is isn't done so yeah i mean he was like freaking out the first time uh right ed and armstrong found him mm-hmm. that's true so like he's obviously expecting to be found by someone eventually yeah that's true mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he should have gotten an escape ticket to Sheen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think he, his guilt, he's looking, definitely looking for some kind of way to feel absolved of that guilt. Yeah. Death or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like right now he feels like death is the only thing that can absolve him in some way. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just doesn't want to take out any more people in the process, I guess. That's how he yeah. can be held hostage with the village, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, a great opportunity has presented itself for everyone, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I do think it's interesting that Scar... I still feel like he's not on... You know, he's not just completely like... Because I think maybe before the fight with Rinri, maybe he still... Maybe he would have just killed Marco right away. Mm. You know? Like, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of thinking about rethinking things a little bit. Yeah, so one of the... Uh, is, I mean, I, I know I kind of brought it up, but like when he... Uh, slams Marco to the ground. Mm-hmm. The look on his face kind of reminds me of when he ends up killing the Rockabells, mm-hmm. and like how he's just kind of in a rage and like just really overcome with emotion. Mm-hmm. And I feel, um, yeah, I, 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 it just kind of strikes me as just over overtaken with anger and 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 emotion and like almost like uncontrollable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he is holding back because he doesn't like just immediately. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's kind of been forced to sort of confront the truth of what he's doing mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the confrontation with Winry. Mm-hmm. Because we see him like thinking about it in the like in the alley while uh, May and Yoki are talking, and even just the fact that he's being a little more like open with his like traveling companions right now like he's going out of his way to, he went out of his way to help me find her tiny panda friend <laughs> yeah yeah and like the fact that he's just kind of like like thoughtful about things like when they encountered like al mm-hmm. he's like hmm, what's going on here he's like hanging out with that 
homunculus, homunculus. Yeah. yeah rather than just being like oh it's one of those alchemists like an yeah. opportunity or whatever <laughs> yeah definitely that could have been what he would have thought before mm-hmm. it does seem like he's getting more yeah more like intellectual about the the plot that he's now involved in i guess mm-hmm. it's not just him executing his goal there's like all these other like I guess maybe he's realizing that it's just like bigger than just the alchemists that killed his countrymen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because like, yeah, obviously the, you know, Ed telling him that uh, Envy was the one, the one who started the war has obviously made him realize that something bigger is going on, which is why he decided to stay mm-hmm. in the tunnels. Yeah. Yeah. And so now he has this opportunity to learn more, and he's deciding to take the opportunity to learn more rather than just pure blind revenge like he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I feel like it is like character growth for Scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he has a really interesting arc, even just so far. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like really subtle. It's like some stuff that you really have to stop and think about. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you're just kind of reading this, like if we weren't talking about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, he's just there doing the thing. But it's like, he really is acting really differently than before, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting growth, character growth for him, even him. So yeah. Someone who seemed like they were going to be a very static sort of like character and be a constant mm-hmm. antagonist. He's in like the recent chapters. He's been more investigative and been more helpful with like our other protagonists. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, like when, when he was first introduced, he seemed like straight up villain. Like, well, he was the only kind of, kind villain of a, at the time, like an, I guess. Yeah, like an interesting <laughs> yeah. villain. Like there was obviously something going on underneath, but still mm-hmm. like basically a straight up villain. But at this point, I'd call him, like, a secondary character. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, well, Scar and, you know, like, Ed now and our our friendly military chums, they all uh-huh. have a common enemy at this point that's established. Yeah. Like, Scar's enemy used to be the Amestrian military. Like, the... the well, specifically uh, the state alchemist. The state mm-hmm. alchemist, specifically. Um. But yeah, now that I guess because he has more information and the, can see that there's a, a deeper issue, mm-hmm. now they are more aligned, I guess, in who's yeah. that actual enemy, you know? I think he was sketched out by father, too. I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's intriguing. And he knows about the homunculi and stuff, too. So mm-hmm. anyone connected with them is bound to be bad. <laughs> yeah. So one thing, and I've noticed this before, but um, I mean, Kayla, you pointed out a lot when in your your recaps, but like the the transitions are very well done a lot of the times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like it seems so appropriate that you know they they end up on a subject and they move on to that subject. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like if it's done better than other, uh, like shows and, and books and things that I've read or if it's just that I'm noticing it so much because we're talking about it um but it's, it's very well done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and fairly consistent I'm I'm pretty sure it happened I, I noticed it a couple times each each chapter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. these chapters with the Same. like like mm-hmm. where's the prince and immediately transitions to green <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then they like everyone, everyone from that war came back scarred and goes over the scar. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there's several of those moments that mm-hmm. I've noticed. They're all 
yeah i like them i'm sure it happens yeah. all the time mm -hmm. it, it could be better than other things it could be the same as other like media but i do feel like it's particularly yeah. good um and especially in these chapters because you never feel like things are happening all over the place right like we've been bouncing and like we've been in the void and out of the void and in father's lair and in the military headquarters and at knox's mm -hmm. house and at the suburb house and the woods and whatever like and you never kind of like get lost the story always has like yeah. these is mm -hmm. written in a way that has like little common threads to transition between between all of them yeah mm -hmm. i think that also kind of supports like like saying everyone from the war came back scarred and then transitioning into scar also also helps to kind of like position him as like not an enemy anymore like now he's mm -hmm. one of the, mm -hmm. the victims and the people fighting against the like injustice that was uh, yeah yeah that happened during the the war and stuff like that um so yeah i, I feel like regardless of if it's like better or worse than others like it's very skillfully those types of transitions and sort of yeah. very skillfully executed especially in these recent chapters i think yeah i think it also helps that like like all the little storylines going on are like all individually interesting i mean mm -hmm. that's obviously personal preference but for me like i'm invested in like basically every character yeah i want to know yeah. what's gonna happen so, to scar yeah mm -hmm. yeah like so Dr. like when Marco. it switches like when Switch goes like, where's the prince? And we're seeing greed. It's like, yeah, I want to know what's going on with him right now. <laughs> what and is like, going on with him? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're going with Scar. What's going on with Scar? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no real, like, even when they call Winry, I was like, it's Winry. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. There's no real, like, truly kind of like B storylines. Mm -hmm. I think for a while when Scar was, like, in the, you know, recovering from the uh the explosion oh yeah that yeah. was a little bit dull i think like we got to see mm -hmm. his like master and we got to know a little bit more about him and then he was like you'd see him kind of like traveling with yoki which was hilarious but mm -hmm. not that interesting yeah it's yeah, really like up. we hadn't yeah we hadn't been like invested in him as like a no because he's like, a, villain, a protagonist yet because he yeah. was mm -hmm. still in like villain mode then and that yes. like we had to have those little bits to start on that road yeah exactly mm -hmm. And even, like, I guess the story with May is interesting at the beginning. It's just not, like, yeah, like, I also don't feel a lot of empathy for her. You're like, oh, she saved the miners. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it's not until probably even a couple chapters ago that, I mean, I, of course, I love Xiao Mei. Um, <laughs> but, like, in terms of having a deeper kind of, like, connection or sympathy for May's character, it's not probably until she starts talking about how she's from one of the, like, lower clans. Mm -hmm. And... Um, like that kind of backstory that was added in really helped a lot, mm -hmm. I think. Because mm -hmm. we've been yeah. we've been conditioned to sympathize with Ling and Lan Fan. Like another yeah. competitor from Shin is not that you know, how can we how you you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think up until that point, May had been for the most part comic. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um and so I think, yeah, that giving <laughs> her that because she was in love with the idea of, of the full metal alchemist. <laughs> yeah. I were, I were the tall and handsome alchemist <laughs> yeah one of the funny true. things is like i was talking about how like this is the first time it's been confirmed that she's a, a princess of sheen mm -hmm. it's like during her like um you know crushing her dreams moment <laughs> yeah one mm -hmm. of her little like fantasy things is like oh if only i hadn't been born a princess <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? oh yeah, yeah 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 i remember that's that funny. yeah you didn't realize that that's <laughs> just like all oh, these are hilarious yeah, mm -hmm. and that yeah, completely it's, went it's... over my head. <laughs> yeah, mm. I mean it all makes sense. It's yeah, just like <laughs> confirmed in dialogue. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. That's funny. Because yeah. I remember we talked and we theorized that maybe she was a princess, or maybe she was just chosen from her clan for another reason. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Uh, I had and... originally thought that she knew Ling and Lan Fan and, and Fu, and that they were separated. In mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I always thought that they knew each other. I mean, and she did recognize Ling, so it was kind yeah. of true, yeah. but yeah. yeah. He's her uh, half brother. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I, I, I'm sure they all have everybody's photos lined up with on dartboards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In all the other clans. Yeah. When she does start fighting with Lan Fan, uh, does she reveal that like the only reason she recognized her is because she eaves- eavesdropped? Right, like they didn't mm. recognize each other. Well, she kind of recognized her name. She was like May in quotation marks. Yeah, oh, I, I meant the other way. May that May recognized Lan Fan. Uh, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they only recognized each other by reputation because. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they've seen their yeah, face. I think she recognized like, Ling's face, but not. Yeah, yeah. I think May recognized Lan Fan through the conversation she was having with Al. Right. Yeah. With the Ling. How could she recognize her? She normally wears a mask. <laughs> true that. And I think like hearing the Chang name probably tweaked something in for Lan Fan, but mm-hmm. she still had oh, yeah. asked like, "Who are you?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, all the knives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I like how she even even in the doctor's office she has a knife in her leg. Yeah, of course. Yeah. She's a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These chapters, these chapters are kind of fun because they kind of mix up the groups a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's like May's been with the Scar Gang for a while, but now she's hanging out at Dr. Knox's with Knox. Al and Lan mm-hmm. Fan. And, mm-hmm. and Al's hanging out there instead of with Ed. And like, yeah. Ed's going to talk with Risa. And, mm-hmm. and Scar's... Uh, with Dr. Know, Marco. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say hanging yeah. out is not the right word, but it's <laughs> with, with Dr. Marco. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Everybody got kind of shook up. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. It didn't feel weird because it's like we all know all the characters, but yeah, yeah. I for- totally forgot that Roy doesn't know who killed Hughes. I was like, but he yeah. already yeah. he already killed us. He already avenged Hughes. Well, no, actually, but... I guess it was Envy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Envy's the one. Well, who... Lust attacked him too, so mm-hmm. yeah. he partially... Lust was involved, but part of it was um, like if during that fight, she was like gloating about like how she. How like oh it was a shame she didn't get to kill him right yeah right she, uh, obviously pissed off Roy but well. yeah Envy's the one who made the killing blow so. yes mm-hmm. yeah 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 you're right I don't know do you think that Roy could, could Roy fight Envy in, in their true form <laughs> or he could be like what the fuck <laughs> yeah. I guess he could make a pretty big fireball maybe it would be okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I got the furious just like nah it wasn't me <laughs> yeah and Roy's like but who and he's like I said one question he's like damn mm-hmm. it Total power move. You can't wish yeah. for more wishes, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, can you I, can't ask for more questions? I, yeah, it's like, can I ask a question? Pierce, <laughs> like, you already like, did. Yeah, you can have <laughs> You can have one. He's like, can I have three more questions? <laughs> <laughs> you already did. The figure was nice and actually answered a question for him. Yeah. Roy should have mm-hmm. asked a better question, like, who killed Oh, these? yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't just. I like how the fear is like relatively reasonable. Like, yeah, he's basically like <laughs> in all his like interactions with people <laughs> because yeah. he's so confident. I feel like, oh no, train. I feel like we're, that's what we're supposed to take away is like when they say that he has the sword and whatever. It's like it's because he's confident in being able to manipulate them or you know overpower mm-hmm. them or whatever. 
in the 2003 anime, I'm pretty sure that that um, he's Pride instead of Wrath, and I feel like that's probably a more a better fit. I don't know. I just I see him very proud and arrogant a lot of the times, more so than Wrath. Like, I think we talked about this before, but like, yeah, I don't know. I I, just, I really do think that Pride would be would have been a better fit. Mm, I feel like he's supposed to be sort of a like a quiet anger because like yeah like like kind of ruthless and mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like when he like a quiet directed kind of rage because like when he talks mm-hmm. about um like how he's uh, his funeral his hands were shaking with anger at, like mm-hmm. like alicia's yeah. uh crying yeah mm-hmm. and i mean I definitely i think when we've seen him fighting i mean he definitely has a very different demeanor yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and that definitely shows uh, he doesn't strike me as particularly prideful, though. I mean, he always keeps looking down on humans, and I feel like he yeah, just sort of overestimates them, and he's confident. Again, he only has one sword. Yeah, I feel uh, like he's confident, meeting, but I wouldn't really like, call it prideful. Like, like, he's not, like, boasting about it. He's just like, this is a fact. I can beat you. Yeah, like, he's not, like, envy. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I could go either way. I think yeah. you could represent him either way. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that. I mean, all the homunculi, like, none of them are like super, except for gluttony, except I guess. Gluttony. None of them like hundred percent. Like, because even greed is like more like kind of, you know, flippant, as Cosmo said. <laughs> yeah. Um, not necessarily like greedy, except for the time yeah. where he was like, "They're all mine." But like, other than that, I feel like. That's but even then, that kind of seems more like talk. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So. Um. Yeah. We don't know anything about a uh, current pride about this story's pride. Mm-hmm. Except that he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. It's actually like uh I imagine him looking like um you know, like Super Mario like Mario with the invisible hat. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just like a, a dotty kind of texture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so or whatever. Whatever his deal is that we haven't seen yet. Um mm-hmm. I wanna go back to Sloth. Like we haven't yeah. seen Sloth in such a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's kind of a yeah, I'd also off the 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 I forget sometimes that we even see that glimpse of sloth <laughs> in that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, it's he's like so there. Brief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was kind of a uh, sort of a gag in the fandom back at back in the day before like the actual reveal happened on the road whenever it happens. Um, mm-hmm. Of like people like started like genuinely theorizing about like who was pride. Like, is it a character we've seen before and all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And then there would be like, it became kind of a gag to be like, every character is pride and so like every, <laughs> something like every time someone did something slightly suspicious or there was like a new background character they'd be like that guy's pride, pride. <laughs> <laughs> nice there's something earlier where you say oh when you were talking about Risa, you're like she's not a bad guy is she and i was gonna be like Risa's pride, pride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she could be we don't know that she's not <laughs> we've never seen pride's face yeah it's like have you ever seen them in the same room <laughs> no you've never seen him yeah. exactly We've seen we've seen his like nose, uh, yeah, we've shadow. A, we've seen a, a shadowy outline. Yeah, that's why I think it's like invisible. And some Mario suspicious hat. word bubbles. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'm not gonna tell Dad on you. That's what Pride. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Risa can't be Pride because she's good. <laughs> she can't be bad. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> but I've been wrong about many things, so you know. <laughs> 
she's just super into she had her like super alchemy phase you know like everybody has their like teen emo phase yeah <laughs> that was her like a whole alchemy phase and she doesn't do it anymore she's just like dabbling or whatever yeah she's like my friends bought alchemy t-shirts so i got an alchemy tattoo, tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i don't even know what it means she's like it says love in chinese <laughs> <laughs> She's like, hey, want to see my Amelia Shing like uh, alchemy tattoo? Yeah. And they're like, bro, that's not a Shing alchemy tattoo. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, that the note, uh, the note that Ling wrote for Lanfan is basically in Chinese. In case anybody was curious, mm -hmm. yeah, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> it just says, "I have the I have the philosopher's stone." <laughs> I looked it up. I was pretty proud of myself for being able to read two of those Chinese characters from my back in my Cantonese days. I read like, two. Yeah, I was like, I assume that's Chinese and that it says what it says it says. Uh, yeah. I can barely read a little bit of Japanese. I definitely can read Chinese, so I was like, that looks like I. And then I looked up Philosopher's Stone. And that's that. <laughs> That's not one you learned in your lessons. Mm, can't say that I did. I learned stone because it's pretty simple. It's like one of the earlier things that you learn. But he wrote it for Lanfan. Cosm, I can't yeah. even see how much they love each other. <laughs> how dare you? I'm so I mad. Mean, Except I'm not. I'm really happy. Would you have realized it soon enough? Would you have realized it by now? I don't think so. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, oh. I don't know, in my head I'm just like, no. They're just like loyal to each other. He's like, oh, my subject cut off her arm. <laughs> I think it hit me when um, <laughs> when Ed says, "What about Lanfon?" And it and then like, he punches gets to him with it. Greed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, "What about Lanfon? Your true love." <laughs> I think that combined with um, envy turning into Lanfon to make him hesitate. Mm -hmm. And Lanfon, Lanfon yeah. crying when they she gets the note. Yeah. I think, I, think I, feel, I feel like I already thought that Lon Fon kind of had yeah. feelings Fon for Ling. Probably has feelings for Ling. That's, mm -hmm. but I mean. That was the moment yeah. where I was like, oh, this is like uh, both ways shippy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I don't ship it. I'm just saying I'm mad at you. That's <laughs> <laughs> and then every time it happens, I'm like, oh, they do care about each other. They're just not as dumb as like Roy and Risa <laughs> with their like throwing themselves into bad situations for each other. <laughs> Except for, I guess, cutting off your own arm. But I mean, the Fuhrer mostly cut it off. She was just, she was trying to like. That <laughs> was a practical decision. It was a dramatic one. <laughs> yeah. It, it was really dramatic, but it seemed <laughs> relatively practical at the time. Yeah. Yes. It's like her arm already wasn't working, and and Ling wouldn't leave her, away, and, and she Ling was like, leave her behind. So. Yeah, so mm -hmm. she was like, "How about a diversion?" And he was like, mm -hmm. "No," and she was like, "Yes." And she's like, "Too late, it's, it's off." Gonna start <laughs> He's like, "God damn it, Lon Fun." <laughs> <laughs> They're in love, <laughs> but now he's a homunculus. Now what's gonna happen? Mm. I'm worried about everyone in the story. I feel like Greed would be into it. <laughs> He's like, oh, a cute girl. Awesome. <laughs> You're my new best friend and my love interest. Let's go party. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be fanfic for that. There's definitely got to be. That I can confirm. <laughs> you can confirm. <laughs> There's Greedling Lon Fon fanfic. Greedling Lon Fon. Is it Greed? Greed? 
Is it greed of uh, exclamation point Ling Lon Fon fanfiction? Or is it like a, like three way fanfiction? <laughs> most I see is greed slash Ling slash Lon Fon. Yes. So. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Is it still a threesome when one of when two of them are sharing one body? <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what a threesome is? <laughs> <laughs> One physical body. Oh, okay. I don't know, it could it could be a chain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what if you're you have split multiple personalities? Does that make it a three way? What are the rules? Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's good fanfic. You like write it, <laughs> like write into it, like op-ed person like, <laughs> is this cheating <laughs> dear abby if i if my boyfriend's soul if my the one i love soul who i serve is soul uh physical body has been uh taken over by an additional soul but i know that his soul is still in there and i sleep with him is it still cheating Dear Abby is like, I don't think I can answer this question. <laughs> it's just like, dear, dear, like. This is about my pay grade. Right? Yeah. It's like, dear Amorous and Amestris. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as long as everyone's consenting, no worries. <laughs> this has been Dear Abby. <laughs> Never write again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're out of content unless Cosm has one more thing to say. One more thing. <laughs> I knew it. Well, you said you had two things. And you I did, I did. One. Good deduction. <laughs> um, my last thing is actually kind of a positive note. Um, okay. Ellen and you in particular have been talking about how like things have gotten really bad and how like how can it get any worse? And yeah. Well, I feel like in the, these chapters, um, the, the uh, you know, the, a lot of people have now like a, a renewed sense of purpose. Yeah. Right. Like, um, Roy has his, his his eyes still set on the the top. Just sort of now he knows what he's dealing with. Mm -hmm. Armstrong decides that he wants to stay in and sort of uh, correct his mistakes or, or learn from his mistakes in the past. Mm -hmm. Ed and Al are ready to move on to find their own bodies and tackle the homunculi. And Lanfan is going to get an arm. I hope Lanfon okay. gets an arm soon. I wonder who they're going to recommend. Yeah, I wonder who. <laughs> yeah. They're possibly me. Yeah, it does feel like a like a turning point or getting toward a turning point in the series. Mm -hmm. which yeah. Makes sense since we're about halfway through. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They do have a positive renewed sense of purpose. I agree with you. That is a good yeah. outcome from all the chaos that's mm -hmm. happened recently. Yeah. So. Even yeah, there's definitely the start. About. There's definitely the start of an upswing. Yeah. For... <laughs> yeah. 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 After all well, the. Uh... Yeah. Once we've made all the bad decisions, like becoming <laughs> a homunculus. Uh... Kathleen's oh. like, I can only go up from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were literally in hell. I said they were wading through rivers of blood. Now they're coming yeah. out of hell. So. Yeah, I guess we should be on the up and up. <laughs> in theory. But there's still half of the story left to go, and literally, I don't think anything is resolved yet. No, not really. Not one plot line. So, yeah. um, at least not one major plot line. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think about anything. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. Rose's probably okay, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody who didn't already end up dead at the end of their plot line, mm -hmm. so, probably okay, I guess. Yeah. Usewell's doing good. Yeah. Right. Mining's <laughs> booming. Mm -hmm. 
Winry's doing good in uh, Rush Valley. Yeah. She doesn't know she's a hostage, so she's okay. <laughs> she's just like, oh, the fear president talked to me himself. That was nice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't threatening at all. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be so weird. Like, it's obviously mm-hmm. sketchy if the leader yeah. of the military is like, oh, hey, friend of uh, one of my employees, some random employee. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, she, like, specifically says she just talked about casual stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think she knows it's, like, do not talk about secret stuff at this, this person. Like, it's like, like, this is a slightly sketchy person. I'm really I'm really worried about Ed now trying to find their bodies that they lost after a horrible and illegal outcome. <laughs> and the fear is like, go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I think he already knows that, because I think most people, yeah. you know, who aren't just random people know that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. You're right, Kasim. I should be more positive. Yeah. What mayhem's coming next time? What are we going to talk about next oh. time? Well, first, we got to talk about the the Gaiden real quick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. We read we read the Gaiden, the extra yeah. short story. Yeah. So yeah, at the cute. end of uh, the original publishing of Volume 14, there's a little Gaiden called Short Story. <laughs> yes. And it was a little uh, backstory bit of uh, the Elrics when they were very little. <laughs> yeah. Just barely like, little. At- yeah, like Al is like barely walking and talking. Mm-hmm. Ed's probably like um, two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ed's like, uh, you know, in the mom doesn't love me anymore because I have a baby <laughs> sibling that she t- mm-hmm. pays more attention to stage. Yes. And so he's picking on Al and he's complaining to his dad who's on the toilet yeah, about it. Really funny. <laughs> yeah. I like how he's like, don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Hohenheim gives him a bucket of water and tells him to hold it and stand up until he says he can stop and he does so for like two seconds and then drops it <laughs> he's like it's heavy yeah he's like it's heavy then hohenheim says so you just gave up huh that bucket weighs about the same as a baby you weighed that much when you were born trisha had to carry that heavy weight in her tummy for months you gave up right away but your mom carried you and kept you safe until you were born she never would have done that if she hated you so don't say she doesn't love you and then uh he goes out and stomps over to little Al and pats him on the head. <laughs> Vigorously <laughs> pats him on the head. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't apologize, but he pats him on the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, Hohenheim, turns out he was a good parent. Yeah. <laughs> he, we saw him be a He was a, a dad. dad. I was going to say be a daddy, but I don't, I don't think that's the right connotation. <laughs> no, the only person we call daddy in the story is father. Yeah. <laughs> he's the only person I call daddy. Mm-hmm. Although I do like the idea of calling him the beard guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's, it's cute. cute. It's actually nice. When I'm doing some parenting and mm-hmm. just seeing all of them together as a happy family, like this is the only time we've seen that so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they actually like had some kind of family life. So mm-hmm. I still don't think Hohenheim is as bad as Ed thinks he is. Yeah, he's not great, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's. I still feel like there's more to the story with him and Trisha mm-hmm. that we haven't mm-hmm. seen yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cute. It was nice. Mm-hmm. I like him aggressively petting Al on the head. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's funny how Ed is just as grumpy as he is today. Um, yeah. <laughs> he hasn't matured very much from being a toddler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Little Al's like, he pat my head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Al's probably the same as he was when he was a tiny child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how Trisha's like, hey, you did... Did you say something to him? And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, not much to say. Just a cute little story. Yeah. It's nice that Hohenheim was a good father. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good dad. it's a good time to see that story since we're like, oh, now we know that they're he's definitely a different person from mm-hmm. sketchy father. father, and yeah, and we've seen him like interact with the boys, or mm-hmm. at least Ed, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. interact with Ed in a way that suggests like, yeah, they did have a family life, and that Hohenheim remembers. Yeah, the Ed doesn't, because like the memories that we see that Ed had shown her all like his back and him leaving mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah yeah i feel like um like ed was just old enough to remember like him leaving basically yeah it seems like mm-hmm. and al was young enough that he doesn't really remember anything because mm-hmm. like he says that to who does he say that to i can't remember uh, who he's talking to. like winry or ling uh, i think it was ling yeah he's like yeah, i don't really ling. remember my, my dad so yeah, i don't have any feelings yeah because ling asked like if oh, they, they don't were... get along and he's like it's not that i don't get along i don't even remember him yeah mm-hmm. and they were talking about uh the emperor that was when we were getting more details about Link's situation. Mm-hmm. He's like, I haven't ever met my father because he's the emperor. I don't talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember my father either. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were all sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now what are we going to talk about next time? Well, next week, buckle up, kiddos. We're going to fucking Ishval. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it could get worse. You told me it was going to get better. Kossip just told me it was going to get better. <sighs> okay. I mean, if you think about it, this already happened, you're, right? Yeah, so technically. <laughs> so uh, things aren't right. really getting worse. We're just getting an idea on how things were before we <laughs> even started reading. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're learning how much better we have it now. That makes me feel good, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be a biggie. We're doing the whole slew, Ooh. so it's going to be fifty-eight, fifty-nine, sixty, and sixty-one. Ooh, <laughs> that'll be a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hope everybody brings yeah. snacks. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm sure we'll learn something and we'll get some insight in our favorite mm-hmm. military gang, <laughs> especially Kimberly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, why would he be there? <laughs> <laughs> Do they even mention anything about Kimberly being like in Ishval or whatever? We've seen a, like a flashback. Yeah, he said. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we, we've seen that he was there with flashbacks. And also, when we first saw him in the prison, I think he was like, ah, oh, it reminds me of the explosions. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, so he'll be there, I'm sure. Because he's a psycho. <laughs> our favorite, our favorite military <laughs> friend, Kimberly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good. Well, uh, I guess I'm excited. Yes. Oh, before we log off, um, yes. last reminder that you've pretty questions. much got this week. Yeah, got this week for the questions. Yeah. Um, yep. April 3rd. Yeah. I'll put reminders on our social media things as the time draws closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please yep. send us questions. It'll be fun. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, yeah. Send us your questions and we will see you next week. We'll see you next week for a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for a long, sad episode. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be uplifting. You don't know that. <laughs> You're like, I do. <laughs> it's like, I do, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll find a way to make jokes. We always do. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.